Hi, everybody. Welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 63. I'm your host, back in the basement, along with me, my co-host and teenage son, Jackson. Say hello, Jack. I hate when they autocorrect stuff when you don't want it. Yes. And that is also, I think for the second week in a row, that is not a hello. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Okay. That's your new gimmick? Never going to say hello? I don't know. It's possible. We can work on it. Uh, We're a little bit later today getting down here to finish up recording. I got called into service for my younger son's basketball training session. They wanted the adults there to sort of take part, so I was out doing that. So I apologize if you're used to hearing us a little bit early, but we're still here for the 63rd Saturday in a row without missing any to talk about a whole bunch of wrestling. We've got our booster juice early again like we used to. You're rocking the funky monkey, right? And I've got my strawberry storm. Nothing ever changes. Nothing changes. I drink the same one every week. But uh, anything new with you this week? Anything to um, banter about? Anything exciting? You're going to the movies two days in a row? For the same movie? To see, see, to see the same movie, so figure that out, people. I heard the movie's fine, and then the post-credit scene's really Doesn't good, even know if which, the movie's good, but he's committed to no, going I've two days in a row. No, i fine. I know, but, but you don't know that. And um, I know that the post-credit scene's supposedly good, which I've already heard rumors of what that's supposed to be. Nice. So what I was going to say, if you're, if it's... A Marvel movie, right? And you're going two days in a row. So what's the worst Marvel movie you've, in your opinion? Um, and would you watch it two days in a row? Probably the Hulk movie. Would you watch it twice? No, that thing sucked. I, oh, when I, so you better hope this one's better than when, that. When I went, I, it would kind of have to be. Because I remember when I watched that one the first time. Then I went to watch all the Marvel movies in, in the se- uh, a second time. Yep. I forgot to watch that one. And I was like, nah. Because that movie, not only was it just, nah, it literally could not have mattered less. Because everyone knows how Hulk is Hulk, so like... Do they? And it just, it's just like... Bruce Banner? Right. And like... The and he Hulks just, up? It's like, the, like, it's never talked about, you know what I mean? Like, it has no consequence afterwards, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I also really don't like Captain Marvel. So that's what I'm saying. Just or imagine the, the worst ones and then watching that two days in a row. And are you going to be able to do that while paying for it? Yeah, and um, I don't think it'll reach that level. Okay, that's good. Uh, anything else? I don't. I don't know. It's been a busy week. I don't know. I don't have much to say. I did uh, still do my ROH 523 was out on Monday, and I guess I can throw out our contact info here. Uh, FNSWrestling at gmail.com if you want to email. Instagram FNS underscore wrestling underscore podcast or a few people listen on YouTube. You can leave comments there. I promise to get back to you. We appreciate any feedback. What are your opinions on the wrestling we're talking about? What are your opinions on our show? Pretty much anything you want to say, we promise you'll get a reply Even from us. Even if it's an insulting. Yeah, I've had one that was insulting, and I just oh, said, cool. thanks for listening anyways. I, I, think it was most, I think it was most miserable podcast ever. That's oh, what he said. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, thanks. You know what? Whatever. I don't think that's insulting. I think that's just true thing. So I literally said, like, if you have any, like, constructive criticism, go ahead. Sorry you didn't enjoy it, but thanks for a listen, and I never heard back. <laughs> kill nice. him with kindness buddy you know what i'm saying or kill him but anyways well no i don't really it doesn't really bother me my self-esteem is not too tied with tied into how people feel about my sort of obscure wrestling podcast right <laughs> yes. if, if i tied my self-esteem into like the listener how many people are listen to this or like it it'd be tough because i don't know how it's not a ton but it's enough that we keep doing it you and that probably, i probably like just I appreciate everyone that does listen because you'd probably just sit in the corner just and just sad. sobbing nonstop <laughs> for sure. But anyways, I I don't know. We should probably get into talking about some wrestling uh, at this point. Yeah, maybe. We'll think about it. That that sounds like a reasonable thing to do. So let's start out with some news and rumors. So the ratings this week. 
Wednesday's live edition of AEW Dynamite drew 1.152 million viewers on TNT, which is down 9.5%, earned a 0.45 in the coveted 18 to 49 demographic, which was down 6.25%. So a slight slip for them from last week, but I think that's still pretty solid numbers. They're up over a million. I don't know what they think, but to me, between a million and 1.2 seems to be their normal spot right now, and that seems to be pretty good. Uh, in contrast, Tuesday's live edition of NXT 2.0, which we yeah. definitely loved, drew 655,000 viewers oh, on... Oh, did you say loved? I think you meant to say hated. <laughs> Might have been sarcasm. 655,000 <laughs> viewers on USA Network, so down 12.19%, and earned a measly 0.14 in the demographic, which is down 30%. So that's a significant drop in the demographic, at least. And I don't think it's a great number for NXT. Again, these are just, as somebody who's looked at the ratings now for however many months in a row, I feel like seven hundred to 800,000 is where they sort of normally are. So above that, I think, is a pretty good week. And below that's not so great. So 655 is not the best. And obviously, a 30% drop in the demo is not what they would like to see. So yep. I don't know. I kind of, for us, it was, it seems like, that demographic checked in with NXT 2.0 and, uh, in our opinion, agreed that it wasn't very good and haven't come back consistently. But yep. we'll get to that, right? What do you yep. have for us? Um, so let's talk about last night's uh, draft. Right, and I only Night know a couple of, the of these, so you can surprise me. I mean, I probably won't have much of an opinion other than if they're bringing people up from NXT and stuff because I don't even really know who's on what brand half the time. But let's see. Go ahead. So super interesting pick. Just kidding. Uh, Roman Reigns, number overall pick. He's staying on SmackDown, which Makes the sense. rumor was on Big E would stay on SmackDown. They would bring back the red title and send Roman over there, but that is clearly not the case. Um, so that that makes sense. It I always feel feels like. like they start out the first few picks make sense. Like they take big stars, and then it's like kind of chaos after that. Yeah, this one's good because I think um, he's been, done really well on SmackDown. I feel like it, like it probably wouldn't matter too much if it goes to Raw, but I think it's better for him to just have a steady... And I honestly, we've talked about this before. I don't think Raw is considered the flagship show anymore. I think SmackDown's the one that they're kind of more concerned about. I can't remember why I thought that. It might be that the the money deal is bigger with that uh, television yeah, company. Yeah, and I'm so here, sure. the one that kind of um, goes with that is um, Raw Women's Champion Charlotte Flair. Uh, is I wrote to Raw, but I meant to SmackDown. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so, and apparently that's because Fox wanted her. Okay, so does that mean the belt has to come back the other way? Like what? I happens? assume so. I think the 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 word would be the Becky goes to Raw, the, and then they do what they did last year at the Street Profits in the New Day. They just swap. They titles. swap the belts, right? So they're having another draft, like the rest of the drafts on Monday. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm this, up to speed. This is the first half of right. it. Right. Um, one of the most jarring picks and disappointing for me is Hit Row is going to SmackDown. I also enjoy how like. You pick one person, you pick one person, then you just draft four people at once, an entire group, right? So I, I mean, you can do that, but like... Disappointing for us, for sure. That's a group that we've Because Swerve has enjoyed. held it for over three months, has not defended the title, right. the North American title, and is now going to SmackDown, where he almost definitely have to drop the title. It's been in an extended feud with the same people for over a month, for sure, and has never wrestled, defended his title. Um, disappointing. I, I don't know how great a move it is. Their act is really cool, but... We've really Half of the faction is really new. We've quick, quickly learned that B Fab is not a professional wrestler at this point. I personally think Top Dollar looks good for what he does, but he needs some more seasoning too. So 
I don't know. I hope that they're a really, really cool group. And so I hope that things go well. But the track record for NXT right. people is and not great. Especially for Swerve because they have terrible track record with two things. NXT people and cruiserweights. Yep. He's too small. How like, could he ever what, be successful? Like, what are Gulak and, like, Kira Tozawa doing right now? Right. Mustafa Ali's not in the best spot either. Cedric Alexander hasn't been doing much. And, he, I mean, the her business might be back. So that might be his only saving grace. But, like. Kind of a joke prediction, but kind of not. Right. When they debut, Top Dollar is the main guy because he's big, and everybody else is background people. Yeah, that would be. I don't think they can be putting Bfab in the ring. I mean, we'll get to it in our NXT review, no, I right? Don't think, but I think she's not ready be. to be wrestling a lot, at least from what I've seen. Oh, for two in the matches I've seen her in, right? So, yep. anyways. Um, Austin Theory to Raw. I felt like that was coming, Which, right? Yeah. He's, been, ha- he's had his foot out the door for a while I'm now. I'm not necessarily surprised by him. Disappointed, at least. And he's I, young I, and muscular, so I perfect. I liked him. He can wrestle, um, too. Yeah. Hence why I like him, and also, why the hell is he going to Raw, then? The cupboard is going to be a little bit bare, at even more bare in NXT, right? Yeah, like, that, that sucks, because he was only, one of the only parts of the way I like. So now I'm stuck with Jonathan Gargano, and then... The index, which but we'll talk I hate about them. the honeymoon later, which oh, was boy. amazing. Um, and speaking of uh, picks, we figure were happening. Drew McIntyre is going to SmackDown. Worst kept secret in wrestling oh, at my this God. point. Yes, yep. it was. So but that's that, official. That's good, that is a shakeup for him. Like I don't he think needs he's it. Been actually on the SmackDown roster since his return. Like I know he went to SmackDown a bit when he was affiliated with Shane McMahon, but that was the whole um wild card rule crap. Yeah, so he that, just needs a refresh and to get rid of this sword carrying yeah. gimmick he's been doing. Um, right? Edge is to Raw. So he has not been on Raw since um last year, I want to say. Yeah. I think he... No, wait. um Yeah, because he was on Raw, but then he challenged Roman Reigns, so then he transitioned to SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston are drafted back to SmackDown after being drafted to Raw last year. So they've Splitting spent them a, up a year again. on Raw. Yes, because Big E is actually going going to Raw, so... That might be a good sign for Big E, right? That they're sort of like, yes, this guy is legit and can be a main event player and carry the title so that and he doesn't really need that right it might be a compliment that they're separating I, gu- I guess so um another interesting one bianca blair is to raw okay because she was only on raw for like a bit before she went to smackdown right because she debuted on raw and was there she's for already her. been back and but forth didn't, didn't really do much no though, so yep. she's definitely had more of a run on smackdown nice another interesting one the mysterios go to raw um they were sure. i know they were on raw because they feuded with rollins in yeah. la- last summer so i'd forgotten where they they've are, been to on be smackdown for pretty much a year um and then there's some there were a few interesting picks from they did like the last round on talking smack right so that shows the importance of these um <laughs> yep. mince mansoor and mustafa ali are going to smackdown which i did um okay. someone predicted so that that's kind of um fine um they split up mace and t-bar t-bar will stay on raw and mace will go to smackdown i haven't heard about them in a while yeah um dominic dajakovic and stupid dio madden and they still have to keep those names hopefully not but we'll see it seems like that and kind of an interesting one apollo cruz and commander aziz go to raw um cruz has been on smackdown i think since the last hour because i remember he was on raw because he lost the u.s title to lashley yeah i forgot but then where he he's was. been on smackdown because he, he challenged biggie a bunch as a face then turned heel so he's been on smackdown right. for a while he challenged biggie a bunch is right until he won <laughs> yeah there's like six or seven matches right or so he, he's been on smackdown for a while so that's cool and commander z's um he's got history on raw so actually no he doesn't but some guy who looks like him named um uh daba kato oh yeah he was on raw underground couldn't um, be him they, they look really similar though it's maybe they're weird. twins yeah that, 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 i could see that really possible mm-hmm. i mean i don't know why then they're 
not like finding guys that big is easy diamond doesn't right right why are they not the harris brothers to apollo Crews, jeff jarrett you know yeah, like, could be the missed know. opportunity um, yeah but that's it um some interesting, interesting. some sad yeah a little and sad about hit row going some of them for I sure don't care. that because that kind of caught me by surprise but that act is super hot so it's just interesting that it's like they're in the middle of a feud with legato that unless it culminated in that women's match right uh on nxt this week like it's just and gone then and done. if we do finally get that swerve escobar match for the title that we want who do you think's gonna win yeah, that? it could be possible that they'll still do a bit of stuff with nxt but uh we'll I see i guess i am skeptical so i was saying that i'm trying to focus when we separate and search our news i'm trying to look for impact and roh stuff mostly so impact i think we could go like both main roster because yeah it's, i do sometimes i do have some yeah, wwe yeah. stuff but so impact is going to introduce a digital media championship i, I did show you this it, it, someone compared it to the AEW title i was like no this one's ugly and the AEW title is beautiful just the idea of it i find interesting so right from impact the name I, is too wordy it's real the name is unappealing you know what i mean yeah it says premiering tuesday october 5th exclusive on impact plus and youtube for impact ultimate insiders which means you have to pay for it a single elimination tournament will determine the first ever impact digital media champion two weekly matches including four as part of wrestle week will culminate with the first ever digital media champion being crowned at impact wrestling's biggest pay-per-view event of the year bound for glory so you know how i feel Wonder about who could possibly win what is an internet title you know how i feel about internet matches i feel like I get annoyed if I don't mind that they exist. It's when the shows, the televised shows, they rely on them. They expect me to have stayed caught up with what's going on on the internet matches, which I don't want to do. So I, I mean, whatever. It's the next logical step, I guess. Is I if, don't mind when it's in EW and then they do something like not super important on dark, and then they show you it. Yeah, if they were like, to keep me, if they're gonna keep me informed, as long as they don't expect me to have watched all of it, right? Yeah. So I guess the next logical step is a championship. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It looks ugly as well, I'm going to uh, say. Yeah, that's, that doesn't really it, matter to me too It much. looks unappealing and the name's unappealing, so that's a nice combination. Mm-hmm. Um, the Casino Ladder match has been announced for AEW's uh, two-year anniversary episode of Dynamite. For those who don't know, there was one at Double or Nothing last year, which um, was the one by the Joker entrant Brian Cage. Right. Um, and once again, the winner will receive a world title opportunity. Um, and so they announced the field in last night's uh, Rampage episode. Uh, the field will consist of Andrade El Idolo, yeah. Orange Cassidy, uh, Pac, Lance Archer, John Moxley, and Matt Hardy. And then along with a mystery Joker entrant, which um, people have said, and I think it should be, Hangman Page. Yeah, hopefully. That'd be great. Um, I think this is a great field. It's pretty stacked. I mean... The only one I don't really care for is Matt Hardy, but even then, he's a ladder match guy, right? He is. So yeah, it makes sense. That's not a bad spot to put him in. I think um, a lot of these guys, like, if they did win, they would have um, decent chances of winning the title. But obviously, I think it should be Hangman. Yep. Uh, and they could book that for full gear. They could. From the world of ROH, they have officially signed Trish Adora, and I don't know how many people are familiar with her, but she had a pretty good showing in the women's tournament. I think she's got a cool look to her, so I look forward to seeing a bit more of her as ROH. They're continuing to build their women's division, it's right? Taylor Rust, he's on this week's, right? Or I believe like tomorrow's? so. Tomorrow's? Yeah. yeah, I think so. So, so I, gotta, I gotta watch it. So that's a reasonable addition for ROH, I thought. Nice, yeah, because they... No, she didn't win the tournament. She right? did not, but she won at least one or two matches. No, yeah. I just can't remember if she won or not. And speaking of tournaments, ho-ho, segue. Um, the King and Queen of the Ring tournaments have been officially confirmed, and they will start next week on SmackDown, and they are believed to conclude at Crown Jewel. Yes. Because, of course, and the brackets so are to be determined. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, I assume Nakamura has to be in this. So would he be defending his crown then? Or is he just going to have to ditch it? I don't know. Multiple kings at the same time? Uh, How could you? Crown unification match? Yep. Um, um, yeah, that, um, that's it for me. So The only um, other thing I have, it's not really news, it's just something I thought is funny because WWE never likes to acknowledge any other company or anything, basically. So uh, there was a rare reference, sort of, to a couple AEW stars, apparently, during the draft episode of SmackDown involving edge he went to the ring to confront seth rollins but rollins revealed that he was not at smackdown so, uh, and i'm not um too sure about the future of this feud because then they're on separate brands unless rollins right. goes to raw because i i don't i don't believe rollins was in the draft he's one of the ones who's been left up in the air until raw i believe so it seems like he might move if they're going to carry this on or so, they finish it up and then they go their separate ways i could see that happening as well so rollins wasn't there because he was actually at edge and beth phoenix's north carolina home so edge told his wife that she shouldn't go to the house at all go to her brother's place he then said that daniel and david are on their way and apparently that's a reference to the aew tag team ftr david is the first real name of dax harwood and daniel is the real name of cash wheeler so it's just kind of funny if edge is like a big enough name to sneak this in or if they don't even know who he's referring to right because it's kind of deep nerd the levels to be like that's who he's referring for me to. is um if that that's what it is how the hell does he know ftr you know what I mean? I, I imagine they're friends from just I, being in wrestling together. I get, I don't, but I'm just trying to figure out, like, because they were gone by the time he was back. I yeah, think. it doesn't mean they don't know each other from some other I guess. place. Well, or he's he, probably been around Edge at went least. Edge to the, to the training facility to rehab or something, I right? I guess so, like, yeah, but I don't know. It just, but anyway. it just seems weird, because like, I guess it would be like, kind of like Baker and Shivani, because there's just such an age gap there. Right. Because uh, Edge is old. Let us not forget, just because he's wrestling does not mean he's not old. So that is the end of news for me. So you said you were done? Yes, sir. All right, let's move on to talk about our favorite uh, thing. Can we not? The third ever episode of NXT 2.0. So it's week three of NXT 2.0. And in case you don't listen to this show or you haven't before, we have not been big fans, would you I say? I hate it with every fiber of my being. <laughs> it's gone from one of my favorite things in all of wrestling to... My least favorite thing in all of wrestling. A major chore right now, right? So we start this week with Vic Joseph reminding us that there are three championship matches on NXT this week. So on paper, at least, that sounds pretty good. Uh, and then pretty much immediately, right, Hit Row's music hits. They make their way to the ring. <laughs> and we get... The opening match tonight is B-Fab versus oh, yeah. Electra Lopez. Speaking of NXT, I just saw, I think, Rhodes to the top beat them in the demo. Like, oh, really? Like, the Rhodes stupid reality show beat Amazing. Them. That's so funny. That's not good. Uh, so it's B-Fab representing Hit Row, taking on Electra Lopez, sort of representing Legado del Fantasma, in a no-DQ match. Uh, so Hit Row speak before the match, and Adonis says it's all about the ladies tonight. Ashante then sort of talks about how great the crowd is puts over the women's championship match that's coming up later tonight. Top Dollar then hypes the tag team champion match later tonight and talks about toxic attraction a little bit. Um, Swerve talks about his title not being defended again sort of thing, as we've sort of noticed, right? It's how many he, days? You said like 90-something. Yeah, so over three months he's had the championship and hasn't defended it. And Despite then you... feuding with <laughs> right. Santos freaking Escobar. Right. Another cruiserweight for a month, two mo two months gotta be it's more than a pretty month. offensive at this point uh so then they talk about waller taking on roderick strong tonight before b fab says that she's gonna beat the brakes off electra because she may be big 
But when I she really gets, wish they put the brakes on the match. <laughs> when she gets in the ring with B Fab, she's gonna be big mad. And then Legato's music hits. What did you think? I thought we'd address this little bit um, in the beginning. The promo was better than the match. But but it, I found it strange because Hit Row's really cool. Like we have a long history of pretty much really liking everything they do. Yeah. But having them like preview the card basically right it's pretty offensive like it's not like, i just don't like it's not what they do right i can't believe they're mentioning like all these other tiles tonight talking right. about every possible tile other than this one the swerve's literally wearing they kind of mentioned even mention escobar and but swerve should be defending tonight not like i don't know strong who just won the title or raquel who should have defended two weeks ago yeah and why are they coming out and being like on tonight's show basically we've got this match should be really good and this match like that's not what they do i was not a fan of like they did what their job well here but who did that that's like sort of that feels like a thing ever rise could have done so it's not i mean yeah it's not i don't think this is what i want to see out of hit row not that they didn't do a good job of delivering it it's what they were delivering was the problem right um they suddenly like from one week to the other are now just shills for the show and it's kind of out of character and jarring i guess is the word right like it's a big switch all of a sudden anyways so these two women start brawling outside uh, of the ring even before the bell rings they get in the ring and they're pulling each other's hair right away we get a sort of a scorpion kick and then like an awkward one-legged drop kick by bfab there's sort of an odd hesitation going into the kick more fighting outside the ring Lopez gets a garbage can out, but B-Fab slams her to the floor before Lopez gets a chance to use it. B-Fab gets sent into the steps, and Dalla stops Legato from interfering. A brawl between the men of the groups breaks out on the floor. Lopez gets the advantage, gets a table out from under the ring. B-Fab stomps the table to the floor, but Lopez ends up shoving the edge into B-Fab's midsection a moment later. (laughs) Remember this part? B-Fab goes to do something to Lopez's leg. Oh, right. So With the, the table leg? Right. The table's upside down on the floor. The table legs are in the up position, and she's clearly supposed to do something with Lopez's leg on that table. But the t- the table leg falls over, so she does just a normal, like, little... She just kind of slams her leg to the mat, which looked kind of lame. So Lopez actually gets up, right, and looks like she's ready to move on to whatever the next part of the match is. The referee comes over and basically it looks like tells them to go back to the table leg spot again. So Lopez just kind of lies back down and they do the spot over again. It was really bad. Anyways, BFAB slams her leg onto the table leg like she was supposed to the first time. And what I noticed, which I thought was hilarious uh vic joseph is it he says the exact same line he said the first time when they didn't do it well so like it was clearly the scripted thing he was supposed to say so he said the same thing again like i think it was innovative offense we're seeing in this or something like that which he said when they didn't do it successfully so i thought that was funny anyways bfab is body slammed on a chair twice lopez kind of takes a drop toe hold onto a chair bfab then hits her with the chair then a kendo stick B-Fab takes the time to set up a chair, but turns around into a crossbody that puts her through the chair, which I thought was by far the best thing in this match. It looked kind of cool. Lopez sets up another chair, puts B-Fab in a fireman's carry, drops her onto the chair backs. Uh, it looked painful as well. We get a spin-out powerbomb by Lopez, I said. I don't know if that's the right thing to call yeah, it. Yeah, I guess. For the win in just under seven minutes, that felt like 20? I, I don't know. What were your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, it Madness. It felt longer than 7 minutes. It sure did. It not, really did. I'm not did. surprised with the runtime, honestly. Uh, given the reputation. Um, that's a long match on NXT 2.0, actually. Yep. Right? Like, that's uh, double some of them. Yeah, uh, this was not good at all, but about as good as I expected. Neither of these two are good in the ring. It showed here with multiple botches and messed up spots. The finishing move wasn't that great either, and 
The one time a match doesn't feel short, it's a crappy one like this. <laughs> this uh, this is a crappy not. opener that matches the quality of NXT 2.0 so far. Oof. This was not good. Like, I don't think there's any universe where anyone's... I was like, get out the worst of list, because this might belong on it, frankly. And I, like you, I had low expectations for this, right? This was a match between two people that don't really know how to wrestle yet, and I don't like to be mean. I think that's just what I saw here. Uh, I thought Lopez looked a little better than BFAB. The no DQ stipulation was there, I think, specifically to hide some of this, right? But I don't even think it did a good job. No, doing that. like they 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 still found ways to look bad for most of this match. The crossbody into the chair was cool, but, but even the, then, that was like I don't know. It was like I like that, but the majority well, yeah. of this was just not good. Like I don't know how else to say it. On the plus side, I guess if I'm really reaching, I got a match instead of a really long promo segment this week so that's what i prefer but this isn't the match i wanted to see at all so anyways we go from something i didn't want to see to something else i didn't want to see and that's the loomis indie hartwell honeymoon footage oh yeah i was uh uh dreading this so imagine it much much longer than i'm gonna break it down if you didn't see the actual show it basically it's loomis and indie frolicking on the beach and then we see johnny and candace sort of spying on them with binoculars from a balcony kind of in the distance. Johnny is happy that they're having good, safe fun, and Candace sort of looks at him like, for now, and reminds Johnny of their honeymoon. Johnny starts to get upset. Indy and Loomis... What could he possibly do? Like, Indy's being very flirtatious and posing and stuff on the beach and luring Loomis into the water, and then, of course, there's a shark fin approaching them. The shark I is. I knew this was immediately. The shark is revealed to be Johnny Gargano, trying to stop any romantic encounter between these two, because I guess he's still treating Indy as his daughter, even though she's an adult woman that's not related to him. But that's okay. And who's much younger than Loomis? So the segment sort of ends with Johnny clearly being very proud of himself for stopping this moment. Go ahead. Uh, this is another lame thing in my least favorite storyline recent memory. The shark thing was way too predictable, and the song track was unappealing. Um. It, I hate the use of these stupid TV tropes. Um, I just, I, I hate this so much. I hate everything that the storyline is. It's like, <laughs> I really want to invoke that line that Michael Scott says to Toby. Like, I hate everything the storyline chooses to be. <laughs> Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> I exactly. I hate that everything this, that everything that this chooses to be. Um, and it's the problem for me is it's now zero percent about wrestling it's now just this love story a couple right. segments and this is every the week stuff that now i feel like it's getting more prominent like, and again maybe there's people that really like this but uh, i'm i don't and i those didn't are the enjoy kind this of people i want to punch in the face and again i know i say it all the time it's not the performers because i think they're doing fine this just i don't want them doing no, this well, right it's, it's of course it's not them because they no no sane person would actually want to do this so back to the woke wrestler joe gacy he's heading out to the ring oh, to yeah. speak next which uh, he was canceled i guess but i guess not so. right so i think that's part of his thing right is cancel culture and anyways whoa he, whoa whoa we can't mention that after the speaking out movement he's sitting in the center of the ring talking about how the ring is still his safe space gacy talks about how he made a huge impact last week and how he has not been canceled in fact he made a bigger impact than stars like tomaso champa roderick strong and braun breaker no braun breaker sucks all he has to do is use his words and how he didn't have to throw a single punch gacy says he speaks for a generation that nobody understands other than us the enlightened ones Everyone else is in a darkened, obsolete world, and he saw a lot of triggered faces last week in the locker room. 
Uh, and then he goes on to say that he is inclusive. Not one person can change the world, but I'm here to usher the world to a new normal. He doesn't want to take up too much time, and he thanks the crowd and then leaves. What did you think? Um, I don't know. I thought this was... It was fine. Like, I don't love the character in this film. Kind of rambling. as it, it really didn't seem to have a clear point. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, was just, it didn't even, like... Like, last week, at least, there was just a match to put over Grimes after, but this just, it it didn't seem to have any purpose. And again, it really feels like this is the type of person Vince doesn't like, so he has to be a villain, right? Like, oh, this guy's thoughtful and, you know, thinking about other people and just trying to use his... Right, this definitely does feel, like, ungenuine, because Vince is definitely, like, just like, like, look at these freaking idiots. Oh, he wants to use his words to solve problems. What a loser. No, we have to settle everything. (laughs) It's like, I remember when Kurt Angle was GM, he was like, we sell things in the ring. Vince is like, no, we gotta sell things in the ring. Yeah, Not our words. Um, so the jury for me is still out. It's it's an experimental gimmick for sure, and I think this is the right place to try stuff like this. I think it might like be this. fine if it if they were actually going to take it seriously, but they they won't. It kind of um, who did it? Juice Robinson. What was he in WWE? Uh, CJ Parker. Because he had kind of like um, like an environmentally friendly gimmick thing going. Like I think way back there. Like Brian. Kind um, of thing. Yeah. So I don't know if it's anyways. I don't love it right now, but um. It's kind of that anyone consider it to others is a heel to Vince, as we said, right? right. So this Which can... That, that's just so backwards. This can be done well and be interesting, I think, but I don't have a lot of faith that it will be. And so far, it's just kind of dull. Like, you're right. He's just said I a think, whole bunch of stuff and uses terms that I'm sure Vince thinks is hilarious or whoever it is. I think this has potential on any show not named NXT 2.0. Well, in WWE, I don't have a lot of faith in, so... But anyways. Well, yeah, but especially this show. We then go to Zion Quinn. Remember last week, someone cut in line in front of the ladies he was with so he smashed them into a door right yeah and apparently they Not trademarked the ladies, the i think it's the simone ghost for him oh nice so, so he's, yeah he's taking we get another one of these like rookie paired up with a veteran as he's taking on oni lorkin yeah, in this match um, my quick notes of just like thoughts were uh his his theme is gross and generic and um <laughs> positivity. positivity and uh, i was just like why the hell is oni doing the job like right obviously he's not the most interesting guy on the roster but like come on this I is don't, not i don't hate that choice they have to put in a veteran in who's no, a veteran if you're gonna job at one of them i would choose danny birch i well, yeah that's only lorkin too. is better that's fair too um so it's zion quinn oni lorkin shoulder tackle by quinn Plus, i think they had no shortage of jobbers they could use instead and a leaping twisting forearm lorkin gets in a flurry applies a lengthy chin lock at the end of it strikes by lorkin just fire up quinn who hits a headbutt an inverted atomic drop and a big clothesline so nothing super innovative here so far corner shoulder tackle tackle and a Samoan drop by Quinn running forearm by Quinn for the win in three minutes yeah so I guess now we know why he'd be both that because this was his finisher I guess a la Lex Luger kind of why what did he do he just ran and hit you with a forearm in the top of the oh, head there the was some story that he had like a plate the steel in his forearm? right mm. yes um I thought Quinn looked fine he didn't do anything particularly special but I, don't, I guess he didn't look bad no especially compared to some other recent debuts True. we've seen BFAB. um <laughs> I really don't like his finish though it's just a it's not even a cool form it's just like a he's pretty basic it's that was really lame in his moveset, um they said this they was say. his biggest win but his only other win is against boa so um that's how not dare saying you. much boa is a future no i'm just kidding i can't <laughs> even say that uh, i thought like i think he has a cool look and i think he For like sure. he has good aggression but he's still really limited right like look at all the moves he did there was nothing sophisticated there but i, I think there's potential like you're saying right but he's still really green at this point and this is what we're getting but... yeah but i like him better than braun breaker so 
Uh, I, I don't, but I think that he he looks good and he was aggressive. So his intensity was good. Uh, so then Grayson Waller speaks. He talks about how he's an extreme sports lover and an adrenaline junkie. He saw his chance last week and he took it. And now he has a match for the Cruiserweight Championship. After tonight, everyone will know his name. What did you think of the first appearance of Grayson Waller on this show? Um, I thought it was a fine promo to give us a quick explanation of his character, just kind of like you get the feel of his character. He even pointed out that his first singles match in NXT is for the Cruiserweight title, which I think points <laughs> right? out kind of the stupidity of the right. show, cause, which is ridiculous, cause, especially because he made the match himself. It's he not did. like they were trying to give opportunities to fresh people, which, I mean, I still don't love that, but at least that's like we're just trying to give opportunities to new guys. But no, he just came out and made was a like, match. I want a title shot. And it's in a company that's had an awesome authority figure forever, and they're just now, it's like he's yeah, disappeared. Yeah, what, what the hell happened to William Regal? And like, everyone makes their own matches now. As soon as NXT looks crappy, his his like his authority goes to the... It's just another thing that I don't enjoy about the new one. William Regal was like the perfect he's probably the best authority figure without I, being a heel right watched, it's right. really hard to have a face he, yeah he mastered the neutral authority he did. figure yeah. but anyways he's he's vaporized somewhere yep um there's something about waller i like i told you i think he's like naturally annoying even though i don't think he's a heel at this point right you pointed out he's been partnered i think up with Drake i didn't Maverick. see a ton here just because um it was a short promo but yeah. like um you, you do get to see more of him later on you do uh, so I think he could make a really good heel. And again, I saw him have a really good match on 205 Live. I don't know why. I never watched that show, but I randomly did. Because it has no roster anymore. And it's not even 205 Live. So it was right at the tail end. So he and Leon Ruff, I thought, had a really good match. Oh, yeah. So I know, got released. I know he can actually wrestle, right? So that's at least something he has on some of these football guys and whatever that are coming in. Um, so MSK then come out in their street clothes to the ring to talk. And Samantha Irwin, I guess, uh, interviews MSK, asks them what's next for them. Carter says they're going to continue dominating the tag division. And then Lee says they're going to continue to be fighting champions as well. They talk about wanting to face both the more experienced in NXT and even some of the new blood showing up. So that was, I guess, an invitation because out come the grizzled young veterans. And I um, was very happy. And then... Um... And then yeah. more people show up. They basically demand a title match first. Gibson tells them that their title reign means nothing until MSK face the Grizzled Young Veterans. Gibson tries to do his usual, like, soon-to-be-recognized bit, uh, but he gets cut off as Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams come down. Which, they're not even a tag team, so that annoyed me. And so Hayes reminds us that he has the golden ticket in the form of that open contract well, for a championship. Well, well, money in the bank, okay? Basically. So Williams says they're well, about... Not really. Uh, that they're, again, his... They're about it, about it thing he does, uh, and that they might actually go for the tag belts is the implication. Zach Gibson lets them know that the line starts behind the Grizzled Young Veterans, and Carter said everyone needs to shut their annoying asses, I believe he said. Uh, Lee and Trick can basically talk, but they aren't getting the tag belts. Carter noted that they're already proved they're better than the Grizzled Young Veterans. Gibson said everyone was talking in riddles. And then, because there aren't enough people yet, we get Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. Oh, I was like, I groaned, because I, I don't like them. And basically, they were about to open some beer when they heard this conversation and had to come out. That's like the most, like, I'm sorry, but that's just like the most unsubtle way of like, we're these country brawler guys yep. like we're opening a beer we we're about to open a beer <laughs> but oh they're talking titles like that was just the most like hey this is our character like, it's very very on the nose stuff so trick williams interrupts them says something i honestly didn't quite get and didn't care enough to go back ah. 
Um, and then J Jensen and Briggs basically start the attack. A brawl ensues. So it turns out the baby faces are Briggs, Jensen, MSK, obviously. And they sort of stand tall at so the end of this. So I guess this does kind of confirm Hayes and right. Trek as heels. Heels and Briggs. And so in that sense, I guess it was useful because we got that established. But what did you think over all of this? Uh, I don't think it that slight usefulness justifies its existence. <laughs> Yeah. Um, MSK have never been great on the mic, so that's all I have to say about their promo work here. I was really happy when Grizzly Young Veterans came out, because I thought it mean we'd finally get a feud between them and MSK that we should have gotten a while ago, right. but I should have known better, because out came Trick and Carmella, who aren't even actually a team, as it's never been explained how Trick got here and why they are, uh, hanging out and then seem to turn on him all in the first promo right and then not. Um, and also briggs and jensen are looking they're they're dressed up as hillbillies for halloween rather than it seeming authentic like it's like they tried to they wanted to be like look like hillbillies for halloween right like, cosplay it, right it, yes it looked like a cosplay it was like a carbon copy of last week's opening segment and this sucked and so now with the baby faces kind of separating from the heels i'm wondering if they'll just do a bunch of eight-man tags and non-titled matches Probably. so that they, we never get MSK <laughs> in Grizzly Young Veterans for, I would say, 90 days. Well, it feels like it's going to be a lot of veterans with young people, right? So veteran, veteran is, I mean, it happens MSK a few times, veterans, I though? Like, At this point, like, that's the crazy thing. I guess, like, they've been here for what, like, And they've wrestled years? forever, I mean, not in NXT, I but, guess, but in like, the world. Yeah, so, oh, well, there's that. Yeah, so, I don't know, I guess this was fine, but it feels like the mandate is we need to get as many people on every show as possible, right? So it's right, just right like... Right here, that's like eight people for One no after reason. the other after the other. So you never get much about anyone, so you feel like even right. though and all, you never get anything of like actual meaning so either all this stuff is happening but there's nothing you can really take away from it other than now we know who the baby faces and heels are so that's what we got so i guess that was fine then. well like they, i feel like that's a tiny that's like a very important tiny thing that they should already have explained to you by the third or fourth time these guys are on tv right uh, Mackenzie mitchell then interviews raquel gonzalez about her upcoming match against frankie Manet. gonzalez says that Manet is talented but she's going to end up like everyone else then we get our first toxic attraction sighting, I think. They pass by Gonzalez. <sighs> Mandy Rose says that the title looks good on Gonzalez, but it'll look better on her. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on this uh, quick Ra little... Raquel spoke fine here, but didn't get much. I didn't like toxic attraction walking by, and I especially didn't like Mandy teasing a title match because I don't ever want <laughs> her in the title. I don't even want her in NXT. I'm still mad that she's here because she should not be here. I actually liked the bit between Gonzalez and Rose. I think it, it was fine. And um, also I thought her hair okay. looks worse, and I, like I came it. up with a pretty good burn for it because I, th I, I, it didn't, it doesn't look good as her blonde hair, but it didn't look bad last time. You know, what I, mean? I think it and looks it's the classic. You're heel now, so have dark hair. It looks like she um used maple syrup for shampoo. Nice. Like it just looks really like. <laughs> it's not my favorite hairstyle, but like it just looks off this week specifically. You know I what do, I mean? I don't know. I I liked the little bit between she and Gonzalez. I thought Mandy no. was good. I haven't minded heel Mandy. I'm not saying she's Daniel Bryan Screw or anything, Mandy. but uh, so we then get Io Shirai and Zoe Stark versus Toxic Attraction because again they made their own tag championship match, right? So that's how it works now. Plus, I think they actually deserve a title match because they have a tag team name and the champs don't. So. And so it's Gigi Dolan and JC Jane with Mandy Rose, of course, for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. So EO dominates Dolan early. So Dolan heads to tag out. Stark tagsing dominates JC Jane for a while before a series of reversals and pinfall attempts between the two. Stark then comes with a back kick and a senton off the middle rope. We get stereo missile drop kicks by the baby faces. 
several moves off the top to the floor ending in a moonsault by Io that the heels were looked like barely willing to sort of take remember it was just basically they put their arms across and Io yeah. just kind of jumped onto she their took arms took their arms that must have they, their must their arms must be broken cuz they were out for a while great we get a head scissors by Dolan sends Io into the ropes where Jane hits a running knee i thought that little combination looked pretty good Io's then isolated by the heels but eventually tags in Stark we get kicks and a half and half suplex by Stark that looked pretty awesome discus forearm by Jane but a roll through slam phoenix splash attempt stark lands on her feet right and then gets hit by a jane neckbreaker that vic joseph has to give it the old didn't get all of it <laughs> which nope. is always nice 619 by eo that's missile. always just sugarcoating it and then a missile drop kick for two cross face by eo then to both of the heels sort of stacked up right but mandy then uh walks by and puts Gigi dolan's foot on the ropes for the break we get a german with the bridge by dolan for two stark hits her sweet flipping knee to the face is there a name for that move it I looks don't know but it's really nice like she kind of flips them into like onto her knee it's it's really nice it's awesome and then we get the eo palm strike she hits her moonsault which it looked good from one camera angle the stark thing but then i feel like another camera angle like it still looked good but like i feel like it looked like it didn't really like hit as well Uh, yeah i love it pretty if the person has long hair it helps a lot right it kind of covers the contact point which is always smart so the um eo and zoe stark retain in this one what did you think of this match um yeah so um <laughs> also jc jane dyed her hair black um i just noticed it looks like it looks really awful like when cody did it last year like it just looks super fake yeah you know what i mean it's a very stark contrast from one week to the next right yeah um no pun intended stark uh-huh. i thought it was always star contrast stark why because that's the word yeah but we know. could talk about it later. i don't get it stark contrast like a very glaring contrast uh-huh. Um, Mandy put, uh, Jane, and Mandy put Jane's, uh, foot on the ropes on a double submission by Shirai, even though, um, Dolan is, was legal. So, like, she put the person's oh, foot on the ropes she for put no the reason. non-legal's person foot on the ropes? Yep. Right. So, I mean, she changed her hair color, so shouldn't she be smarter now? I guess it didn't matter. It worked. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess the, the end of the day. Stupid. Yeah. Right. Well, um, uh, this match was fine, but again, um... Kind of mediocre compared to what I know Stark and Shirai are capable of. Agree. Uh, the finishing sequence was good, though. Um, executed perfectly, but other than that, I'm struggling to remember anything of note. And um, Mandy's hair looks really bad, and I don't want her near the title, but that's what we're going to get. It and is. And I'm really sad. I thought, like you, the match was fine. Nothing special. Parts of it felt hectic, and the flow just never seemed, I don't know, it seemed off to me, and I don't even know what that means, but it, something didn't feel right. It was better than a lot of things we've seen in the last two weeks on this show, and they worked hard. But again, and I want to love EO and Stark matches because I think they're both pretty awesome, especially EO. But I thought this was like slightly better than okay, even though I did hear some this is awesome chants. But again, who knows if those are real or not. Um, so I don't know. It Was it as bad as a lot of stuff we've seen? No, but was it really good? I don't think it was. Uh, we then get a vignette from your boy, Braun Breaker. Oh, yeah. I, I should know as soon as I heard him speak, like... So he's talking about his recent success. He says the last two weeks he feels like he's been shot out of a cannon. Um, he's Right into my face. Uh, he says in the ring he's trash talking. His veins are bulging. It's a white knuckle thrill ride. Braun knows there's a rock locker room full of studs in the back, but here's here. Sorry, he's here to whoop ass. He knows what he's saying is harsh, but he doesn't care. If you want a friend, go get a dog because his mm. goal is to be the NXT a dog champion. Gremlin? He tells oh he tells Tommaso Champa that 
he is not a patient guy. And the promo ends. Thoughts? Neither is creative because he's been pushed already in two in three weeks of the show. Yep. Um, I hate that he seems to be the new face of NXT, he, but he does embody what NXT is now, and I hate it, and I hate him. <laughs> he's just so but like, he's not bad, but just this whole show is bad, and, like, he is this show for he, me. Like, he, he is the centerpiece. I'm going to pick one person to embody this garbage show, it's him. And I also hate having to spell his name. Breaker with two Ks is just stupid. I honestly am starting to think that that's part of the gimmick, and he's eventually going to be like, I'm not doing this character anymore, I'm Rex Steiner. Because A, that name is totally fine. B, like... They, Everything how, he how, does is Steiner ish. And how are they not going to be like, he's a second generation superstar? I think they he's are. a second generation superstar. Like, this is, that's the kind of thing they're all over. I rarely, I rarely give them credit for like planning ahead, but I, I feel like there's just, there's A, this name is so, like ba- they did, so bad. Who did they do that with? Um, Shaw Samuels on UK, remember? Yeah. They gave him a name and he was like, no, I'm Shaw Samuels. And even um, the flippy guy, like Nathan Fraser. Well, that was different because he changed his old name. Yeah. Like, well, if- on. They put a story I, I, it's to the same it, right? Thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, so I, I can't, the name is so bad, and he does. He looks like the Steiners. They're not trying to avoid him looking just like one of them. Sounds like them. Does their moves in the ring, right? So what moves is there? Th- he's done the Steiner recliner. He's oh right. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like they're. Did they both do that, or was that just uh, Scott? Uh, that was Scott. Okay. So it's not like they're trying to distance him from it, really. So, anyways, I, I know we differ Rick's on this. He's kid, right? Yes, yeah. I think the kid is good. Uh, I actually don't blame them for focusing. If they're going developmental, like like it or not, that's what this is. So I think. Oh, I don't like it. I know neither do I particularly, but I think he's not a bad choice. uh, Oh no, I know it's developmental. I just don't like the guys they're developing. That's fair. So of the new crop, I see the most potential in this guy so far. Uh, We're then back from the break. Not high bar. The announcers plug the 2022 Royal Rumble from the Dome of America Center in St. Louis. That's the most just America name ever. Not because it has America. Dome of America. Right. Like, you you don't see, like, the Dome of Canada or whatever. Like, that's just something Americans do, you know? Is it? The Dome of... That that pride, baby. Right. The American dream. Um, So, the announcers are joined by NXT champion Tomasa Champa. Uh, via FaceTime, I guess it was. And yeah, Vic, it was really weird. Vic asked him about Braun Breaker's recent comments. He says Braun had a hell of a video package from the first two weeks, and he's special. Is that but, kind of behind-the-curtain stuff right there? But maybe we don't need to put him in the WWE Hall of Fame just yet. Yeah. Champa understands that Braun isn't patient. Patient Message heard loud and clear, but now Breaker can listen to the champ. Champa talks about how it took him more than 900 days to get the title back. When he didn't even lose it in the first place. Fair. Champa says no one beat him for it before. And no one will beat him for it now. Champa knows Breaker versus Champa will happen eventually. And when it does, Breaker will drown in an ocean of experience. Which I thought was a nice line. Champa then kisses the NXT title belt as he likes to do. And says goodbye. Okay, it's Goldie. Yes. Um... I thought this was fine, and I hate that they're actually building to this match. I just, like... (laughs) Thought you might. I don't know. I don't like Braun Breaker, and I also think, even if he... I did, like, it's too soon. Like, just for anyone. Like, this is the third week of the show, so that's the third week of him on the show. I think he could win, frankly. That's the sad part. crazy, but... No, that's true. It's not impossible. It's sad, because I hate him. I hope he wins... If he wins the title... Uh, I hope he done kicks his ass. I'm not convinced he will, but I don't think it's impossible. Right. Kind of like I felt That's about sad. other things this week. So then we go to another exciting match. It's Andre Chase 
in a sweater yeah. and slacks, like with his university logo. I yeah, guess. Yeah, I it. don't know. That I don't think that should be what he wrestles in. Taking on Boa, so Chase is in control early until some kicks and knees from Boa, twisting neckbreaker by Chase before some stomps and strikes, cross face by Chase, series of kicks by Boa send Chase to the floor, um, and then Mei Ying hits the vapor on Chase right, and then Boa hits. I don't know. I called it a layout reverse DDT. He just sort of... Oh, yeah. It's like the Balor thing with the right, elbow. Right, right. Which is kind of a lame finish. For the win. And what did you think? Bo looked average here and his finisher was really lame. Um, after his entertaining bit and new character debut last week, I was really hoping Chase would pick up a win because it's, it's Boa. Oh, no. Who cares? But that's on me, I guess, for thinking logically. And I hate seeing stuff like that, but it's just facts. This is Chase has the comedy enhancement role now, right? Which isn't ideal but if but you do, i think he's got a good he could be a good mid carter like if you do this well though you'll always one. have a job with vince right like you can be our truth or you can be santino morella or you know what i mean like if you're wow, okay that, with doing so that that's that's something that's a role he'll take but anyways i don't know this was nothing really a comedy enhancement match mostly um, so we get another video from the honeymoon. Hooray, because we can, can't have only one uh, segment. Oh, I'm just thankful it wasn't three parts. I agree. Um, that's where they've Which, got me. that's sad. Right? They're like, oh, sweet, it was only two segments. But these and, were long, so is yes. this, like, worse? Like They're not short. Almost, like, I feel like this was longer than any of the matches. So back to the honeymoon, Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano are talking about how Index are headed to their hotel room now, and what could possibly Uh-oh. go wrong there? Gargano sneaks in, gets a maid to open the room for him, saying he lost his key, I think. And then he's like, the the security in this place is terrible. So anyways, he goes through a suitcase, finds Indy's underwear, and then a big pack of condoms. So Indy and Dexter, of course, because this is like American Pie or whatever, one of those movies, they come in the room, Gargano scrambles for a place to hide. Uh, So he hides up in one of the... Sorry, I think one of his shoes ends up in the suitcase. The lovey was dry. Anyways, Gargano's hiding in the closet. Innie jumps on the bed and tells Loomis to give it to her. Gargano thinks they're about to get intimate, but it turns out they're just having an innocent pillow fight. A but really he can't, bad pillow fight. He can't see that, right, I think was the point. So he doesn't know what actually happened, I think is the point. So Indy's now ready for a nap because she's exhausted from the pillow fight. Gargano, then thinking they're asleep, sneaks out of the closet, but Loomis is lying there wide awake. Loomis simply gives him a thumbs up and then pulls the condoms out of his robe pocket. <laughs> this happened. Um, why is this existing? Um, the first segment was bad enough. I did not want a second part. I can't imagine anyone with a brain who would want this. Um, Gargano sneaking in the room was another lame TV trope. As, as was Gargano hiding in the room as they came in, I decided to be under the bed, but I was close enough, I guess. The dirty joke was lame as it just felt stupid and it was the worst pillow fight I've ever seen. And if Indy is exhausted after that, she has terrible stamina. And just, it was like, they weren't even hitting each other very good uh, with the pillows. And this just sucked. At this point, it reminds me of like when you or your brother were little and you find a joke really funny. So you tell us and then we laugh and then you like keep telling it and keep telling it, right? It's like, okay, it was amusing the first time, but... By the 15th time, it's hard to act like it's still funny kind of right. thing. Um, so I find this like kind of cringeworthy, to be honest. Again, I think kind pe- of. people are doing their job really well. But I just, this is nothing I want. At best, they're mildly amusing. Not not this one, I didn't think particularly. But like for me, the ratio of entertainment to time on screen is not high enough, right? Like it does not meet whatever the threshold is. Um 
So I feel like this is aimed at the youth, but then you are the youth and you don't like it either, but maybe, I don't know. Anyways, um, the story is 100% sports entertainment and 0% wrestling, which is not a ratio you or I appreciate very right. much, right? Uh, so then we get Roderick Strong versus, versus Grayson Waller. Oh my Waller. god, wrestling! For, for the cruiserweight championship so waller attacks from behind as his uh music is playing hits this guy's like i guess it was roddy's looking up the ramp right expecting waller to come from that direction he comes from behind uh, and attacks foolish him. foolish roddy then hits a suicide dive before the bell even rings so waller's in control off of that early hits an sto but then gets shoved off the ropes to the floor strikes and some hard chops by roddy backbreaker first one of the day by roddy strong first uh, one of many but yeah, i think there was a few bunch of near falls and pinfalls are reversed and countered on the mat another backbreaker by strong a camel clutch by strong before he hits a suplex waller fights out of the corner hits a missile drop kick a discus forearm and then a second rope elbow drop uh kick sends strong to the floor waller hits a nice tope um Waller, like, I don't know, he kind of gracefully flips through the ropes, kind of like Nick Jackson a little bit, um, and then hits a nice stunner. Strong counters, looks like what it was going to be a Kataro crusher, right, in with a nice jumping knee to the head, and Roderick Strong picks up the victory. What'd you think of this little match? Um, yeah, so I thought it was a great little match, actually. Um, one of NXT 2.0's best accomplishments, if not the best, like, right? from my view. Um, I thought they did an excellent job of showcasing Waller's offense and making him look good. I don't love Strong winning um, with uh, just a knee strike, but at least this wasn't a screwy finish. Right. And it, he has really good knee strikes. And it did it's look good. And it's really amusing how short um, Ivy Nile looks next to the Creed brothers. It's Tiny. really funny. Yeah. So I kind of like this match too, and I thought Waller was impressive. He had some cool-looking offense, got a couple even almost believable near falls. Uh, really good showcase for him, and he's one of the new guys that does intrigue me, right? Because he can wrestle a little bit at a high pace and do things beyond Which that's just all i can ask for at this point beyond wrestling 101 sort of stuff beyond so, Ron breakering strong i thought too it's good he picks up a clean win because i was sort of fearing the involvement of diamond mine in some way so i like that he picked up a win without health too and i honestly i think if ivy nile can actually wrestle then this faction might be kind of cool right but i'm nervous because bfab and lopez haven't looked great so. i am also nervous because they i they're still broken. But I think Diamond Mine's one of the things on this show that I'm okay with most of the time. Especially so. when everything else almost is right. like of making me want to punch myself in the face repeatedly. Everything is relative. Um, yes. LA Knight's it's interviewed just... backstage. He's asked about his challenge of Odyssey Jones um, and if maybe Knight has bitten off more than he can chew. What do you think he's going to say to that, honestly? Right. like It's like they don't even know. Knight says he doesn't look like a punk. He looks like the uncrowned NXT champion. No, he takes a couple done. shots at Jones, says he has one week to learn a very hard lesson, and Jones sort of approaches from behind. He says that he may be new on campus, but he promises Knight has never seen anyone like him. Because we can't have only a couple people. Remember, we got our we got to get more. So Andre Chase yeah, comes we, walking we don't by. Have enough yet. He's upset about the finish to his match because he got misted by Mei Ying. Um, so he thought it should have been a DQ. Knight takes advantage of that distraction as sort of um, Odyssey Jones is kind of looking at Chase. He attacks and beats um, Odyssey Jones down. And then Knight says he's seen guys like Jones before, and he will see him d down flat on the mat next week. Thoughts. Thoughts and feelings. Um, yeah, so the promo work from here from him and Jones is mediocre at best. This match does not appeal to me whatsoever and should not exist because it will suck. <laughs> I'm like 
almost certain of it. I also didn't like Jones coughing and selling Knight's attack like he just got beat down with a steel chair. Because watch, in the match, he'll no-sell like a bunch of Knight's offense because he's big. But because he they big. need to make a different point here, he'll sell a few punches and kicks like he got beaten down by four guys. You know what I mean? Like, yep. he's just, like I hate this, like... It's so inconsistent. Yep. Like, it's just so stupid. It's true. I, I don't know. This was fine. It feels like, again, we have to have at least one interruption in every segment, which is very impact, right? I always talk about, like, every segment there's interruptions. I find it just makes things feel kind of rushed, right? And it's all just piled on top of each other, and it just hurts the overall flow of these shows. They're trying to do too much. It's like they're trying to cram a three-hour Raw into a two-hour show, and it's all talent that nobody knows, so it's a bit awkward, I find. We then mm. get a vignette for Dante Chen, who won last week, right? Defeated Trey Baxter. In, like, 30 seconds or something. Chen says he represents the spirit of Singapore and its people, and he plans on making his own path in NXT. His motto is passion, precision, and perseverance. Chen says his journey has just begun. I have very few thoughts on this. You? That That's fair. I also do. Um, lame and generic and also uninteresting. It's a generic but fine. At least we learned something about him, I guess, right? Yeah, he represents Singapore. Yeah, they told us he's from Singapore last week. It's, it's, so I'm pretty sure it's safe it's, to it's assume. It's the only thing they'll tell us for quite right, a while. I'm pretty sure it's safe to assume he represents Singapore. I, yeah. I don't know. Mackenzie is backstage with Trey Baxter now. Speaking of Trey Baxter and Cora Jade. She mentions how Jade has a match next week. Jade mentions... Um, Which the... may be her first problem thing to do other than jobbing out to everybody in existence. She talks about how she's only 20 years old, the youngest here in NXT. She says, hopefully soon this place will become the generation of Jade. Baxter says Jade will do better than he did last week. Just don't do what he did. They kiss to end the segment. Aww. No. No, thank you. Um, I didn't even note this because it didn't deserve it. Um, no thanks is all I have to say. I thought Cora Jade sounded awkward, but again, it's a 20-year-old trying to do TV, so not a surprise, really. I also just don't care about the whole romance thing. Like, it's just... And again, we learned nothing because they told us last week these two are dating, so now we just get reinforcement Which about it, I already I guess. knew that, so it's even less helpful. I did not see much point to this. We then... <laughs> Get the premiere of Lashing Out with Lash Legends. That's just the most stupid name. Because, like, of course they have to name and Like, and who... What kind of names? No real person's named that, okay? Like... So they're treating it like a studio talk show. Right. Complete with yeah, like that a, was my first complaint. It's not even in the ring. And that is where all wrestling talk shows do and must take place. It is, like, the law. And okay? so... It's basically there's a like quote unquote studio audience or at least the soundtrack or whatever, right? Or did they show the audience? There was people. Oh, there was people. That's right. They did show it. So <laughs> there was people. She talks about the WWE draft and says she knows a little about a draft, bringing up her experience in the w- WNBA and being drafted. So she, she's that person you mentioned. Right. Like I knew that there was, was one from w- WNBA. Right. She brings up, so not all football players. There's Exhibit gonna- A. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's she, true. She brings up Cora Jade and Trey Baxter, how they kissed in the locker room. She says, if Jade wants a real man, get one that looks like this. And she shows a picture of Ikemenjiro. Lash says the person who oh, deserves the lash out of the week is Andre Chase. She calls him a Pee Wee Herman lookalike, knocks him for yelling at his students last week, and says she bets he won't come do that to her because she will whoop that. And then Lash says she will see everyone next week. And that wraps up. It wasn't a super long segment, and it was over. It still sucked. Um, I thought the studio audience was really annoying. And so I really like, so she, she just kept, keeps shifting from random topic to topic, talking about each one for like a maximum of 20 seconds. That's the show in a nutshell. And I feel like she talks like the stereotypical sassy black woman, which I hate because that's another stereotype. 
um, in the show, um, like Tony D'Angelo, right? Right. Um, it was lame, it was short, it made no sense, and had no point. Like, she just talked about a bunch of random things. Like, this had nothing to do with wrestling. It's like, this feels like if, like, um, some random idiot off of the street started doing a late night show and talked about wrestling. Like, this had nothing to actually do with wrestling. It's just like, it a, did not. Like, and and, like, and we got about, two of those segments in the the honeymoon, and now a big one here, or not big, right, but and medium. Like, and, the, and then, like, it's like, Cora Jade and What's-His-Face Kiss, ooh, so, like, who cares? We just saw it, too. It doesn't matter, right. Um, it, she, it, it wasn't even really a talk show. She had no guests. She didn't talk to her audience. Like, she didn't really interact with them. Like, nope. She said a bunch of nonsensical crap. Like, if you're going to do a wrestling talk show, do it in the ring. You always got to have a guest, and uh, pick a better name. So I think she has tons of energy and charisma, right? Like, there's that's definitely the reason they chose her for this role. But I don't think this was the best way to showcase it. I assume that she can't wrestle at this point, but that they really want to get her on TV I to get experience. I have a lot of these new people can't wrestle. So this is truly a developmental show, and I don't blame WWE for having one. That's not their fault, but I have to decide if it's one I want to keep watching, right? So... Oh, it yeah, has, we have to decide if we're watching next week. I think I probably will. It has, I'm not sure. It has felt like this before, like I was telling you before it was the super indie, but the obnoxious pace of it and the color scheme and the whole concept was different and I didn't mind watching it. The pace was a bit slower. You got to know people a little bit instead of like a million miles an hour. So some similarities to pre-super indie NXT, but not enough, frankly. Right. Uh, Ridge Holland versus Kyle oh. O'Reilly um, is the next match. So Kyle O'Reilly attacks Holland as he's making his entrance and then we go right to a commercial on the way back. Um, and again, this is I noticed this is the second match tonight that started during the commercial break, basically, really? right? That's, yes. Interesting. I hate choice. that. Like, um just started before, like I don't know, it's just it feels kinda lazy and also just kinda But I also annoying. dislike when it starts and then like thirty seconds in they go to a commercial. That might even I'd annoy me. More. I'd at least like a start. I kinda like that better. I would like at least a start. To get started. Uh, backbreaker and a nice overhead suplex by Holland, corner attacks and a hard Irish whip by Holland, bear hug as well. Kyle then with some kicks to the leg and some knee strikes and a dragon screw to Holland. Kyle goes after Holland's left arm, but he powers out, obviously, and throws Kyle into the turnbuckle. We get a big slam by Holland for a two-count. O'Reilly goes for Holland's leg, but Holland picks him up, hits a powerbomb for a two-count. Axe kick and a discus elbow by Kyle. He climbs the ropes, but Pete Dunn gets up on the apron. Kyle shoves Holland into Dunn. Dunn falls to the floor, and Kyle rolls up Holland to get the win. Dunn and Holland then immediately attack O'Reilly. Oh, roll up finish, yay. And Vaughn Wagner comes down to make the save, and the baby faces end up sort of clearing the ring and standing tall. Thoughts? Poor Pete Dunn. Um, this was meh. Um, O'Reilly made Holland look pretty good compared to his usual showings, but the finish was lame. The match overall was just uninteresting, and O'Reilly especially has done better. The finish, um, it sucked, and I don't like Holland or Vaughn Wagner, especially if they're going to be in the same match. Yeah. And I... It just sucks that Pete Dunne resigned. Right, bad timing. It feels oh like God. honestly. Uh, I thought this match was fine. I think Holland is actually decent, other than his selling. I don't think is very good, but his doesn't bother me. He's a power guy, right? So he can do enough things that I can I can watch him. O'Reilly winning by a roll-up's not ideal to me. It's like he has to sneak a win out of this guy kind of thing. He didn't showcase much in this match, I didn't think. But again, these matches aren't designed to do that. It's basically him guiding this younger fellow through a decent tv for match like three, i guess for three minutes like so i think it did a decent job of that but anyways we then get a vignette from the mafia connected amateur wrestler 
Tony D'Angelo. So he's <laughs> down at the docks, I guess, another just stereotype, talking about how they represent the transportation of items and how his family has taken advantage of things falling off the docks. His uncle makes sure no one takes too much off the top because if they do, he gets a call. D'Angelo says this is family tradition and the tradition will continue. He will debut next week. Excited? What does that have to do with wrestling? Nothing so far. What? what? Well, no, he did mention once that his family told him to. there's no money in amateur wrestling yes, and to get into professional. what do the docs have to... Like... Because it's a stereotype of like mafia families that... They basically steal things as they're coming in and then sell them illegally on the black market. It's yes, all just a giant stereotype. What does that have to do with wrestling? Like, Nothing. why? Why? Uh, what, what information? Like, what is this information going to do for me? Like, honestly, another, it's 1990s wrestling back. Yeah, an, another boring and stereotypical promo, and this guy sucks. Yeah, um, I pretty much hate this, and you know, I don't use that word too often. It's just cheesy. I hate a lot about this show. It's a cheesy old school gimmick that wrestling moved past like decades ago, I think or years at least, this is the type of stuff that out-of-touch people running NXT think is a good idea, I think. This is evidence of, like, this is who's running this show now. That And again, this guy's trying really hard, but I find these segments kind of tough to watch, and I think they're as bad as anything that has been on this show consistently. And it, he gets a vignette every week, right? And it's just, how can we pile more stereotypes onto this guy, basically? So anyways, we get to the main event. Raquel Gonzalez versus Frankie Monet for the NXT Women's Championship. So we get a couple of, I mean, veterans, a strong word for Gonzalez, but compared to other people here, I guess, again. So holds and counters to start on this one. We get a waist lock takedown by Gonzalez. Monet slaps Gonzalez, but Gonzalez comes back with a fallaway slam. Monet escapes to the floor. Gonzalez follows and throws her back in the ring. We get a wind-up power slam by Gonzalez for two, and Frankie escapes to the floor again. Monet takes out Gonzalez's legs, and she falls off the steps to the floor as Monet then takes control for the first time in this one. Corner attack culminating in running double knees to Gonzalez, then a suplex for a two-count. A stretching submission applied by Monet, then some body scissors on the mat. Knee to the face, then to the back of the neck by Monet. Gonzalez catches a Monet kick and just kind of fires up with a clothesline, a back elbow, a boot, and that corner Vader bomb elbow drop thing that she Which, does. I mean, that was cool. I that mean, was a cool little flurry. And you can add legitimacy to that move because Xylee. Oh, of course. Gonzalez sells her back now. Monet starts to take advantage, taunting and putting boots to Gonzalez. But Gonzalez finally picks up Monet, hits her one-armed power bomb Chiquita for the win bomb here. Or something. Toxic, yeah. What did they call it? Chiquita bomb or something. something. Toxic attraction come out, take out Robert Stone's group before surrounding Gonzalez in the ring. Gonzalez fights them off at first, but eventually the numbers game's just too much. They beat her down, and Mandy finishes it with her finishing knee strike to lay out oh, Gonzalez. Which is never good. What'd you think? Um, honestly, knowing the reputations of these two, this match was really mediocre. It wasn't super interesting. They didn't get a lot of time to work with, and there's just not any, nothing, uh, notable. Uh, there are a couple of iffy moves, and this is just not as good as I expected. I groaned the second Toxic Attraction came out. I'm so mad that the next challenger for NXT Women's title, held by Raquel Gonzalez, is pretty good. Will not, and this is not the main roster, it's NXT, and it's Mandy Rose. It's just... It's know. coming. And at least she picked up the title, so she, in theory, she's jinxed. So <laughs> Okay, that's true. I'm clinging, that's a good point. I'm clinging to that. Let's do that. I'll cling right. to that with you. Yes. Um. And, Even though I don't dislike her as much as you I'm do. I'm so sad, Dakota Kai. Uh, where is she, man? 
She died. I miss her. She had no. She had the constant to get as far away from this as possible. But I think she's the perfect person to make some of these these youngsters look okay no, but she no, but anyway she needs to go to ew man they she could does. use her love so good uh so i thought this match was pretty good easily Monet's best showing since arriving in nxt but i've definitely i think you would agree we've seen her look better just faster and crisper i guess would be the word it might be the style is doing her dirty but like i don't know but yeah i don't think it was amazing but it was a solid match probably a decent main event for new nxt which isn't a great thing to say uh, the aftermath was fine, and clearly we're getting the Rose Gonzalez thing you want so badly. What? Honestly, it feels to me like Rose will at some point get a run with this title. Like, I feel that coming. Yeah, this show sucks, and they need <laughs> a sucky champion, I guess. So then tell us your overall thoughts and grade on this uh, amazing... This is another bad show full of garbage. I did quite enjoy the Cruiserweight title match, though, so that this keeps this show hovering above an F. Good. So another D-, minus. Um, <laughs> uh, same as last week. There's some truly atrocious stuff this week, and unlike last week, there were two index segments. So otherwise, Yay. this might be a D if this had that match, that good match, and the no index, but it had index. So and also, Lash Legend was garbage. Um. So yeah, it's week three of NXT 2.0. It's still not very much I liked about it either. In ring, I thought this was better than last week, right? Because last week I remember getting upset by like five three-minute squashes in a row it was so i enjoyed waller strong as well and i thought the main event was good enough and holland o'reilly i thought was okay for what it was as well the women's tag match was decent but i didn't love it chase boa was nothing the opening women's no dq was bad that was a bad match like i don't want to be rude but that was a bad match last week was five straight squash matches like i said so at least this show did better than that segment wise also not strong Index stuff, don't have any interest, felt like I was my time was wasted. D'Angelo's stuff makes me want to change the channel more than anything. The Lash segment wasn't good, but I do think she has potential. She's got really good energy and charisma. Breaker's promo I thought was fine. MSK stuff that led to everybody coming out was generic, but it didn't really offend me. That seems to be the formula in NXT with as many people in as many segments as possible. So I think this show was the best of the three by far. Or sorry, so far, not by far. But it still wasn't good. So I'm going to give it a C- minus this week. A C-. Which to me is like, that's not something you should watch still, right? Like when I think yeah, about it. Yeah, there's nothing that this show's ever produced that you should watch. I mean, the Cruiserweight Town match was pretty good, but like... So I enjoyed Strong Waller in most of the main event, and that's about it. Yep. All right, so let's move on to our weekly trivia section and sort of hopefully pick up our mood and what we like to call off the top of his head. So this week it is some AEW trivia, mostly, I think almost all, from the first year of its existence, okay? Starts out easy. There are some tricky ones. I do not have options for you. Who is the CEO and president of AEW? Tony Khan. Correct. Who won the first ever AEW Dynamite match? Cody Rhodes, because why not? Who did he beat? Do you remember? That's Samuel not... Guevara. Correct. Who is the first AEW world champion? Christopher Jericho. What was the first pay-per-view under the AEW banner? Double or nothing. Correct. AEW All Out, so that would be 2019, was sold out online in how many minutes? 15. Yes. Why would you know that? I thought that was one I was going to get. Who is the first wrestler in AEW to pin Riho? I did not remember this. I don't even know this. First wrestler in AEW to pin Riho? I don't even remember this name. Uh, Unless this quiz is wrong. Yuka Sakazaki? Nope. Shoko Nakajima. Who? 
right? I'm, I wanted to fact check Unfair. that one, but I ran out of time. On October 16th episode of Dynamite, Chris Jericho de- debuted which alter ego? Uh, sorry, on what Dynamite? Uh, October 16th, he debuted which alter ego for the first time in AEW? Painmaker? Correct. I don't know what alter ego you could use. I was thinking, like, the other option, would you say, like, um, Le Champion? Like, well, I don't even think that's, like, an alter... I don't either, that's just... That's just a nickname. I agree. I didn't know what other option there'd be. <laughs> what is the name of SCU's finishing maneuver? That's a nice one. Damn. Because it's on the tip of your tongue, I isn't it? It is. Um, it incorporates their I, I know. initials. I, um, I'll give you that hint. S-C-U later. Oh, S-C-U. Yeah, yeah. damn it. You don't know anything. Who is the youngest wrestler to wrestle on AEW Dynamite? Mark- In that first year, maybe still. I don't Marco know. Marco Stunt? No. Uh, Jungle Boy? No. I uh, that Darby my Allen. nope. Sammy Guevara. Think uh, I'll give you. It's in MJF. Hardy's faction. Jack Evans. No, he's old. Um. Isaiah Cassidy. I'll save you. Uh, according to Justin Roberts, private party weigh how much? Two hundred ninety-two pounds. No, it's not pounds. Remember, it goes with their nightclub gimmick. Uh, Five hundred shots. Twenty-four ounces of vodka cranberry. You're on the uh, right track. This one I didn't know, and if you know this, I'll be shocked. I should have put this one last. Oh, that's a mistake by me. On October 30th, Rick and Morty-themed episode of AEW, Dynamite, sorry, AEW Dynamite, awkward pause there, Kenny Omega dressed up as which popular video game character? I know you play video games, but I don't think you know this. Because I'd never heard of either. It's blank from blank, and I don't know either of them. I don't know. Sans from Undertale? That oh, makes sense. I've heard of that. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jericho's oh, Judas... Oh, yeah, he did. Chris Jericho's Judas theme song includes which ending lyric? I will drag you down and what? I know you're singing it in your head right now. I can no, tell. Um... Oh, I can't... Now I can't remember. Drag you uh... down and... Mm-mm-mm. Three syllables. Tear you down? Or nope. take you down? Sell you, sell out. you out. God damn it. You knew it, didn't you? I did. Here's one. Uh, I didn't know it, but you you might. Who is Patricia Bobsky? Jericho's mom? Jericho's close. Aunt? Aunt? You're close. Not his uh, aunt. Cousin? His aunt's friend from church. Remember, she was briefly in one of those. God damn it, I was so close. You were very. I would actually give you that because I was like, "How the heck am I supposed to know who that is?" In what city did John Moxley wrestle his first AEW Dynamite match? Wrestle, not show up. You'd have to know the pay per view. Do you know what pay per view it was? Because I do. Because I it looked full it up. Gear? No, Fighter Fest, I think. Oh, right, Fighter Fest. Yeah. In 2019. Oh, and it was against Joey Janela. Um, yes, it was. But now, where was it? A hint might be... Was it Philadelphia? Oh, no, Daytona Beach. That's going to be a hard one to get. In what city did John Moxley wrestle his first AEW Dynamite match? Or, sorry, that is the same question. Um, what's the, this one I know you know. What's the name? I'm pretty sure. What's the name of Hangman's music? Uh, Ghost Town Triumph. Yes, I was like, he knows that for sure. Last one, and I don't think you'll get this right, because I did not. Who is the tallest wrestler in AEW? So I, when I, now that I said you probably won't get this it. This is in you, the first year, right? Yeah. Okay. So my guess was obviously Luchasaurus. Billy Gunn? No. Um, but 
You are along the lines to think old. I'll put, I'll give you that hint. Okay. Old tall boy. Hager? No, he was one of the options when I looked at this. Luchasaurus Hager, somebody old, surprisingly tall. And I just, you came in and I was watching a wrestling show from 30 years ago and he was, or 20 whatever years ago and he was wrestling. Dustin Rhodes. Yes, he's really tall. Okay. All right, so that's uh, the trivia this week. You did fairly well, but some of them were pretty hard. I didn't think you'd know them all, but um, you're going to talk about our next show in depth, and that is a much, I'll spoil this much, a much better show than NXT, correct? Yeah. And that is this week's AEW Dynamite. Yep, and we got CM Punk on commentary the whole show once again. Yep, I think um, he does a good job. He's like there, but not dominating and, and taken and away he's from. He's not very biased. No, and he's not taken he's away from the like good. What people. I enjoyed about Jericho on commentary last until year. Jericho went crazy a little bit on Jer- rampage. No, there. healed Jericho on commentary last year. Remember yeah, in the pandemic era, that was fun. Yep. Um. So we opened the show with Adam Cole taking on Jungle Boy. What I was exactly what I was hoping for, and the reaction for Cole and. His theme and his entrance all to, like it works, man. I like his theme a lot, and his entrance was awesome here. Yeah, I like the crowd his theme was well. loving him, mm-hmm. right? Um, this was a great back and forth opener between two talented wrestlers, which also works for last week. <laughs> Absolutely, couple um, hot openers. Uh, so notables were some, there were some holds and counters in the early goings, an Escalar arm drag and a drop kick by Jungle Boy. He tends to do the arm drag every match. I yes, think. for sure. He does like the weird flippy doodad into the arm drag. Yep. Uh, Cole beats on Jungle Boy on the outside and has a neck breaker in the ring. Uh, back elbow by Cole. Forms and chops by Jungle Boy in a basement drop kick to the knee. Followed by his signature rebound clothesline. Um, a strike exchange and a brain buster by Jungle Boy. Um, a belly belly suplex in the corner and a German suplex or two by Jungle Boy. Um, Jungle Boy hits a tree of woe basement drop kick. A backstabber and a Patel drop brain buster by Cole for two. Nice combination. Yes. Uh, Cole taunts and slaps Jungle Boy until he starts to fight back and hits a poison Rana, followed by a running basement Larry to the back of the head for two. A pump handle, I think, like, um, we were across between a Death Valley driver and an Olympic slam. Yes. Uh, by Jungle Boy for two. I'll accept either. Yep. Uh, super kick by Cole since Jungle Boy to the outside. He misses a Panama Sunrise on the outside, but catches a dive by Jungle Boy with an Inziguri. And Jungle Boy hits a Hurricane Rana over the ropes, um, from the apron. Uh, Cole goes, or Jungle Boy goes for rope step uh, move into the, back into the ring and gets caught with a really nice super kick. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Cole falls with the Panama Sunrise for a really close near fall, which he sells perfectly. Like, I bought it. He's a really good um, ex- facial expression yeah, guy. Yeah, I bought that one. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. Um, Jungle Boy ducks the last shot and uh, locks in uh, the snare trap. Um, and so the finish comes and Jungle Boy has Cole in a rear waist lock. That, where the, that thing where they move towards the ropes and one of them hangs on and shakes the other off. Right. But the um, Aubrey Edwards is at the ropes, so Cole is able to get a, a mule kick low blow, and then he hits the lash, the lash shot. I wrote no, la- <laughs> the lash. From lash, what's her face? Lash. Oh yes, that's her finish with the lash shot. Right. <laughs> um, no, he hits the lash shot for the win, which I think they call the boom, which I don't love. No, that name. sounds lazy to me. Um, and the post match, uh, the Super Elite come out, which I think they're just the Elite now, but. I call them the Super League because that's what the Good Brothers. The Elite is not the Good Brothers. I think they he introduced them as the Super Elite because Anderson was the first one to talk. No, I, I don't think. I think he, he I said think they kind of ditched it. Did they? I, I swear he said I it. I don't think Could so. Could be wrong. Um, Carl Anderson tells Rochester. Oh my God, 
if you had like a dollar for every time they said Rochester tonight, you'd right. be rich. Um, he tells the Rochester to welcome the elite. Anders says to, to be elite, you have to have them, and he introduces each member, which is ironic because he and Gallows are in the group. Which he's not that bad, but he ain't elite, buddy. Uh, Cole um, then speaks and he says he told us so, which I feel like that's weird to say. You, you're, you're, I'm I'm writing that someone else told me so, but um, it's Adam Cole. So. Right. Uh, Cole says he'd be Jungle Boy, and he did it by himself because he's elite and he is undefeated, which he's only had three matches, but, I mean, whatever. Facts, I'm, I'm not going to argue with him. Technically the truth. Yep. Nick cuts off Brandon Cutler, who tries to say a line, and asks if Rochester's ready for the greatest promo of all of pro wrestling. He introduces Knack as CM Punk trans Grover here, lad, and obviously Omega takes um, the mic, obviously, because it's, it's not going to be Knack. Nope. Um, Omega says his phone has been ringing off the hook. And his social media mentions have been nonstop. He talks about how, pe- how people have been praising the match a lot from last week, and he doesn't care. Omega says Brian took him to the limit, but he couldn't finish the job. He says Brian has a zero record, and that means he will not get a rematch, and he'll never see him in the ring again. And, of course, on cue, Brian mu- Brian's music cuts off Omega. Uh, Brian asks the fans if they want a rematch. Obviously, they do. Yep. Brian says he and the fans want a rematch, but Kenny doesn't have the balls to accept it. He presents to the fans Kenny No Balls Omega while well, those chants start and, to ring they out. They sure did, yeah. Um, while Omega does a great job of just like looking pissed. Like, yes. he, he's yeah, a yeah. great actor as he's well. He's awesome. Um, Brian says, let's see if anyone else in the elite has any balls. He challenges any member to a match at Rampage, which later is Nick Jackson, which is an excellent choice. Yeah, we're going to check um, out Rampage just for that. Um, Omega asks, why not right now? Um, Brian asks if they want to see the fight right now. Obviously, yes. I mean, he says, okay, and he calls the reinforcement, which is Cage, Kaz, and Jurassic Express come out, and they chase off the Elite. Yeah, uh, I love the match to start out. Um, it was a little bit slow at first, right, because it's Cole trying to slow things down and ground, because I think he could even acknowledge, like, Jungle Boy's quicker than him, so I think that was the strategy, which I like. Then it built to, like, crazy runs of offense for each guy, and... Like, moves that had us, like, yelling and laughing, right? Like, this, the super kick near the end was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And just, like, the... Um, what did... Oh, the Jungle Boy, when he did the Rana to the floor from inside the ring was crazy. So, and I mean, Cole's just an amazing heel, right? And the heel work he does during the match adds a lot. Like, just the slaps and the taunts and everything else he does. And then Jungle Boy is just an awesome baby face, right? So... I think this was a fantastic match. They both come out of it looking great, regardless of who won and lost. The little bit of cheating at the end is fine by me. I would rather that than run-ins and like interference, right? This was just Cole being the smart, savvy heel. So I thought a fantastic opener again this week. Obviously not quite at the level of last week, but a really, really good match. So, And I said it while we were watching it, right? For the second week in a row, after only the opening match, Dynamite is already a better show than NXT 2.0. Like off of the first whatever, 15, 20 minutes. And that makes me a little sad, to be honest. Like, I'm not happy to say that, but that's how I feel. Um, Post-match stuff, I liked Kenny's logic, right, for ducking a Danielson rematch, saying you don't have a record, which is technically true, and this company's supposed to really care about that. Uh, And I like, actually, that CM Punk sort of supported his position there, right, a little bit. So I like Danielson's response. I guess if I were to nitpick... I think the post-match talking could have been streamlined. I only really needed to hear from Omega and Danielson at this point. But man, the crowd was certainly engaged in all of this, so maybe I'm not right. And I think it just has to be said that Nick Jackson's obnoxious cat outfit was amazing here. I loved it. (laughs) Um, 
And then I thought when another nice touch was Jungle Boy when he came out to make the save after he was selling his head the whole time from the last shot, right? So um, Respect. A, a nice touch, really good match, and a pretty good aftermath. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, this was a great opener between two wrestlers I enjoy very much. Um, I don't think it's disappointing at all. There's some sick moves and some great spots, some good sequences. Uh, Cole cheated to win, but he didn't need outside interference, um, which fits in with Adam Cole come to know and love. Like, he's yep. a dirty heel, but, yep. like, I don't... and But he's good enough to do that by himself. Right. Um, but I, I, I do understand. I like his affiliation with the Elite, though. And once again, um, after only the opener, AEW's kicked NXT's ass. Right. Um, great starts to the show for sure. I thought the post-match one was pretty good, too. Cole's bit was good, and Omega was uh, great to follow up. Um, and the time of the draw last week played great into his weaselly heel character. Yep. Just, like, weaseling to, like, say... You couldn't get the job we're, done. We're, we're done. You don't have a record. Like, right. those things make sense in heel Ryan world. worked great here, too, and uh, he and Kenny just complement each other perfectly in and out of the ring. Um, and it was a good add-on to the opener. Yeah, it was great. Next, we get a quick interview with uh, the Lucha Bros. Andrade does quickly interrupt, though, and congratulates them and asks where Pac is. And Jose, his assistant, says it's been a while since their AAA tag titles have been defended. Mm. Andrade says he has many Luchador friends who he can bring to take their titles, which I forgot they were AAA tag champs, even though we did watch them defend the titles at we Triple, uh, Triple, Triple Mania, Mania. Which I don't think they defended those titles since um, I don't think so their either. trilogy with the Bucks, but I'm not sure. which was in 2019. Right. So it's been a while. And, and uh, Phoenix is anywhere, anytime. Yeah, I thought this was fine. I would love to see a match with whoever comes in, um, and Andrade and these two. I like that Andrade's speaking for himself lately. I think he's been doing like a better job and a pretty good job, to be honest. Like I, he's slowed down a bit, and his English is just better. So I think I like that they're letting him speak for himself right now. Yeah. Um, it was a good little segment set up, a cool match. I think it doesn't matter who Andrade teams with. He'll it'll be a kick-ass match. I'm very happy that Penta is a double champ because I forgot they were triple tag champs too. So right. double Penta two belts. That's right. Penta dos belts. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever Make belts is in Spanish. Yes. Um, I think uh, they've held those since L- L- 2019 or at least around there because I think that was the last match where those titles were defended because they had they defended they compete with the Bucks over those because um the yeah. AEW tag titles were yet to exist. Right. I know the Bucks held them at um. Uh, double or nothing. I want to say there's a third match. Oh, no. It might have just been the two matches. So I think they've held them at least since there. Makes so sense. That's like I believe you. Two, uh, that's over two years at the very least. Yep. And because Mexico is notorious uh, for these ridiculously long, long title, title runs. runs. Yep. Yeah. Prestigious belts. I, I got no problem with that. I don't know. But I don't like when it's like... Years? Years. Like back to back. You know what I mean? Like, especially like... Cause then like I don't know. There's, I tend, I te- I find it tends to work out like them where there's like a lot of guys who deserve the title, but like then by the time you want to book the champion to lose, it's like it's too late. Right. But I don't know. It works sometimes. Like I thought Walter's reign was pretty good. Exactly. They yeah. they I think they uh pulled the trigger on um, the perfect time. So it, it works when it works. You know? Yep. Um. Next we get Dante Martin and Matt Seidel versus because he has to be on the show. Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson with Arn Anderson and also Brandy Rhodes for some reason. Yep, she made an appearance, and yes. Cody sucks chance right away by at least a decent portion <laughs> of the audience, which is funny. Yeah, I I did make a note of that. That was pretty funny. Um, a solid tag match which was used to further showcase Dante Martin, but I also sure brought was. Lee Johnson to a certain degree. Me too. Um, notables after some wrestling, Lee and Seidel tag in. Um. 
kick to the spine by Seidel. Uh, some back and forth between Martin and Lee Johnson. Uh, after standoff between Martin and Johnson, um, after some impressive evasions by Martin, a brawl erupts as we go into commercial break, of course, instigated by Cody. <laughs> uh, drop kick by Martin, followed by a scoop slam by Cody for two. Uh, strike exchange, and then Cody hits a disaster kick to Seidel, who's on the apron, and then he hits a vertebraker to Dante Martin for two. A top rope missile drop kick by Martin for two, and he hits his signature double jump springboard moonsault for a near fall. A roll through super kick by Lee Johnson, and he hits Martin with a super kick and an inside leg hook patel drop brainbuster. Very nice Looks for cool. the win. Post match, Tony Schiavone comes down for an in ring interview. Booze rain down as Cody's name is said, <laughs> and Cody calls on Malachi Black, and the crowd's like, "Yay!" Yeah. It's really I it it just amuses me. It makes me happy. Um, Arn tells Cody to stop talking. Arn says Black has destroyed all of them ever since he came here. Arn says Cody should have finished Black last time instead of checking on him. He says to hell with him. Right. Um, he says the difference between Cody and Black is that Black is an assassin who will do anything to win. And he basically uses a metaphor to say Cody is softer than he was. And if Arn wasn't so old, he would fight Arn Black and finish him. Right. Basically. Arn says he is Arn Anderson, and he'll be damned if he coaches a loser, and he tells Lee to come with him, because at least he will listen to him. Boom, roasted. I think that's pretty <laughs> sad that he's taking Lee Johnson over Cody Rhodes. Like, I don't hate Lee Johnson, but, like, he's... He's not, a mega, he's not an established star. He's not star. Cody Rhodes. So like, but that's why he listens, I guess, because he's still trying to make it. Cody's yeah, but I at the top. Cody's, like, he's calling Cody a loser, but taking Lee Johnson, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so... I knew something was up because commentary went out of their way multiple times to point out that Lee Johnson made the blind tag and then ended up winning the match, right? So I figured something was brewing. Uh, I Like, on paper, right, not a ton of star power in this match. Really, only Cody's the, the major star here. But I thought this was really fun to watch. Like, Dante Martin is becoming a star in front of our eyes here, right, over the past, like, three weeks or month or whatever. I thought everybody looked really good in this. Cody, honestly, was probably the least notable of the people here. Another showcase for Martin, and I think you're saying it too, like Lee Johnson, I thought looked really good here. Especially um, towards the end. I thought it showcased both of them um, with the support of a couple capable wrestlers, right? Because Seidel's good as well. So a really good match. And I thought Arn's promo afterward was pretty strong. Um, and it could be an interesting story developing. So I kind of liked everything about this for a lot more than what I thought I might. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a pretty enjoyable TV tag. Dante Martin yes. got another good showing, which uh, he's hasn't been winning a lot, but he doesn't really have to. And I think that's like a kind of a spin the face of WWE's stupid 50-50 booking. Right. right? Like, you don't always have to win and look good. Ask Zoe Stark, for example. And then you can flip the switch and have him start winning when you're ready, right? right. And pile up wins on the internet and yeah. get a good record. And this has been the usual lately, but Lee Johnson also looked pretty good, too, especially in his end flurry. He did. The aftermath was really good, as it could further push Cody turn heel, which I think this... He's act been really, forever anyway. This really nudges him <laughs> in the right direction. Um, the reaction certainly helped that. Um, and also, Arn Anderson's promo, a best promo by far, and it was like good, just even in general standards. Like I thought that he just, yep. like he nailed it. I feel like his promos have just been mad, but that I, I was really impressed. Like Me I was too. surprised, and I enjoyed the completely backwards reaction for Cody and Black. It, it's just funny. It's, it's interesting just, to see how that'll play out, right? It just amuses me, really. Like it, it's just. It's funny. Cause hey, we that, were early to the Cody's a secret heel club, really early. Right, and. Um, right, because this is, like, how we've been feeling for a while, so Forever. it's funny that, like, yeah, it takes Malachi of... Black to convince everybody somehow. Right, because Malachi Black is cool. He is know. cool. Um, next we get John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, Darby Allen, the most random team that seems to continually reunite for no apparent reason, versus Anthony Green and Bear Country. 
I wasn't you said Bear, Bear County. Co- what is it? Bear County? I'm taking notes. <laughs> Whatever. Really funny it doesn't matter. Because no offense to them. I mean, it is one letter, but I just think Bear County sounds so much better, or <laughs> some so much funnier. Like it's just like I feel like because like country, they're not good enough to be a country. They're just <laughs> right. A county. Country's like well <laughs> a full on like country. And Win then, some like, matches not on the internet, and then I'll call it's you. It's like country. in the office. It'd be different if Lackawanna County was Lackawanna country. <laughs> it you would know be. What I mean? They gotta <laughs> earn country. They gotta earn that R. Right. You gotta earn the letter. It's like um, <laughs> they they had to scratch and claw their way to every single letter of that word. One left. Right. <laughs> so they got they got one. Did not get it here. To <laughs> <laughs> um. So it, this is a very one-sided trio squash. Yes, it is. For I no gave it enhancement. I gave it one level above a squash. Fine. Uh. I, uh whatever. In my um rubric of wrestling matches. Um. Uh, Allen and Green square off in the ring as Mox and Kingston brawl around the ring with Bear Country. Arm drag and arm targeting by Allen. A Kinshin Synchrony by Kingston. Mox chops Bear Boulder. Which I was like, so he's chopping, I was like, I just typed Mox chops Bear. And then I was waiting and the next Scalibur said Boulder. And I was like, thank you. But they're Bear Country, but only one of them's named Bear. So that always... No, they're both Bear. He's Bear Boulder and the other guy's Bear Bronson. Oh my god, right. Sorry. Yeah. Come on. Amazing. Uh... And then they live in a little county with all their bear friends. There's one other bear, because there's always three bears. That's what I've learned, if stories oh, have taught me yeah, anything. Yeah, that's true. There's a third one coming, faction. Uh, bear faction. Bear gorillas. Maybe. Obviously. Um, a shoulder tackle stalemate. Power slam by Boulder, followed by a senton from Bronson for two. It feels weird just calling a guy Boulder, but whatever. A really nice high German suplex to Bronson by Kingston, which is was. surprising. Mox is the German suplex not as high on Boulder as Anthony Green tags in. Allen takes up Bear Country with the coffin drop to the outside. Green tries to fight off Mox and Kingston but fails. He hits a springboard cross by them and they just stand there and he bounces off. Totally of no soul, but yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. Interesting. Um, Mox and Kingston hit the Violent Crown, which Google tried to correct it to Violet Crown. Uh, which is kind of funny. Which is the Lariat half and a suplex. I do, cool. I do like the name actually for it. It yep. works uh, for them, and they get that for the win. Yeah. Um. And then are you doing the aftermath? What happened in the aftermath? Doesn't Sting around? come down? Oh no, that was just him doing one thing. I don't. He doesn't deserve it. But I thought that was weird that he a babyface Sting comes down and hits a signature move on a guy that just got pinned and is like doing nothing. <laughs> like what? Right. Comes and picks the bones of yeah, this yeah. kid. Anyways, enhancement match. Even Punk noted that Green seemed out of place with Bear Country, and I would have to agree. A um, couple nice suplexes, a cool combination finisher, and that was about it. You know what I mean? And again, Sting coming down and beating on a guy that's already dead seemed strange to me. But it was fine. I guess it served its purpose, but it was the low point of... I don't even know what purpose it served, because they're not even a real team. Low point of matches for me on this show. Yeah, uh, this wasn't really anything of note. I do not understand at all why these three keep teaming in random trios matches, squashing random people. They're also... So one side, it's not like they're like putting over people, and they don't really seem to have any meaning, uh, or purpose. Uh, maybe when the trios tiles become a reality, then maybe these guys can have a reason for teaming together. But at the moment, it still makes no sense. And I now that I think about it, Mox and Kingston actually be another good team to challenge the Lucha Bros. Yep. I think it'd be a really good match, especially if they add on a no DQ stipulation or something, like put on another one of those tornado tag epics that they are maybe so very gifted at. Maybe they're building that trio for the trios belts yeah that's what i was saying like, to get darby and the two of them gold again i, I guess don't, no it has to be death triangle yeah well yeah. i uh and the baby faces could chase them uh penta tress belts right 
Nice. Um, and I, I think that would be a good match, especially um, given the history between Kingston and the Lucha Bros. Yep. A little more Penta, but I, I guess both of them because uh, that thing last Because uh, they, really, they didn't really drill down into that at all. It kind of just happened and moved on pretty quickly. Although I, I was very happy with that storyline because it gave us two uh, Penta versus Phoenix matches. That is true. So... Can't complain. Um, yes. Uh, next, we get a, a Ruby Soho, Britt Baker promo, one of those back and forth thingies. Um, uh, Soho talks about how the fans are behind her at Dynamite Grand Slam. Baker says people are singing along because they like the song and not her, and she proved again why she is the best. Ruby says she lost, so she has some work to do. Um, Baker says Ruby already knows what it's like to hit rock bottom. Boom, roasted. Uh, Ruby says next time Baker will find out the consequences when Baker costs her the one thing that she wanted before she even came to AEW. And I was like, how is that possible? But I guess, like, she was in WWE before she came into AEW. Right. So, I guess, it's, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> uh, I really like this. The, their match was really good. And Soho, I think, with is, like, immediately established as a contender in the women's division. So, her going back to the back of the line makes sense. Again, this company tries to tell us, like, wins and losses matter and stuff right and she got her shot early and now she needs to build back up that makes sense uh and her baby face characters accepting it so that also makes sense really quick kind of back and forth but i liked it and they can come back to this feud i think once soho's racked up some more wins could even take months the way aew does things which is fine and she could take the title off baker eventually but i also i think the money match is still thunder rosa and and baker again at some point but it's nice to have more options right yeah, it, it it's more realistic when you have like multiple top contenders yes. for a title. Like it just works better, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I I like this as well. I do. I have been enjoying this uh back and forth style, right? Me too. It's I I just like it. Uh, it. It works better, especially in a feud. Um, I thought it was solid promo from both of them. Um, but yeah, so I thought. Was the, and I, I mean, the only thing I said after this in my notes is this first hour like flew by. Yep. I was shocked to check. I remember check our recording and we're like over 50 minutes in or something. Right. And I was like, wow, did not feel like it. Next, we get the 16 man tag Orange Cassie and uh, shockingly the entire Dark Order. Like, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I guess that's how many people they have. And I was curious um, to hear Punk on commentary with, uh, what's his face? Colt Cabana. But they didn't really, I didn't really pick up on anything. Uh, and they're taking on the HFO Hardy Family Office, which is Matt Hardy, Butcher, and Blit, three different tag teams, which. How does that gonna work? And a but... random dude? Yeah. What was his name? Good question. I forget, but anyways. It's um, fine. a quick pre match Matt Hardy promo. Hardy says he was supposed to debut here in Rochester last year, but it was deleted because this place doesn't didn't deserve it. Yeah, that that's why it didn't happen. <laughs> um he says Rochester is an awful town that produces awful people and they don't deserve him. Ooh, Ooh taking that's... a shot at Brody Lee, that's that's tough. That's too far. That's good good heat magnet though. Yep. And Cassidy's music cuts him off. And I guess Hardy must be wondering after that line and when Cassidy cuts him off, where is his mind? Where is his mind? <laughs> um, uh, The description for this match, it was just a feel-good match to bring these this it really big was. fat faction It was more together. the aftermath, right? Yes. Uh, Darker argue and Butcher attacks. Stong suplex uh, spear combo by cool. Butcher and Blade. But 10 breaks up the pin, who has a new mask, which I don't like as much. I like his other mask because it, it's... This one looks like um. I don't remember either of them. It looks like Slade. No surprise. From Teen Titans. Oh yeah. Um and this well the other one was like it it looks more like it looks kind of like what a negative ones mask. Yeah. Looks like his was um, new this week, right? I think. 
I, I, it looked. I haven't noticed it till this week. Right. Let's put it and, that way. Um, I like, and cause Ten's mask, it also looked more like the other ones. Like it had like that mouth right. kind of thing, like that five has, I think. Yep. Um, private party double team five. Speaking of, Cassie hits a drop kick to both members of private party. Jack Evans attacks from behind, and mass brawl breaks out right before the commercial break. Cause with that many guys, you can't avoid it. Um, after the commercial break. Grayson hits a double pale kick to TH2, a pop-up knee after a flurry by Reynolds, and Orange Cassidy hits his lazy splash for two. Uno walks out, but Brody's wife, which, um, I think her name's Amanda Huber, Correct. I believe, um, and Negative One talks some sense to him, he joins the brawl that has ensued. Grayson, Caban, and Five hit dives to the HFO. Uh, Reynolds and Ten also hit some dive moves. Uh, Silver runs around the ring and takes everyone. Ten hits a spine buster to that random guy we don't know. Silver and Reynolds hit their combo on that guy as well. Looks great. And Grace and Uno hit Fatality, and Silver gets the pin for the win, and they hug it out post-match. Yay! Yeah, it seems like they're back together. So I thought this was a lot of fun, right? Once um, Huber and Negative One made their appearance, like things went crazy, right? And we got a really cool finishing sequence. So not even that I needed the match because it was more to get to the aftermath in Rochester, I think. But I thought parts of the match were really fun, too. And we were kind of right and kind of wrong about the Dark Order situation, right? We were right that AEW doesn't do things that no fan really wanted, right? It was kind of like, nobody wants this, and they, they're not that company, right? So but I was we were, really pulling for Hangman. Right, but... that's the part we were wrong about, was that Paige would be the one to do it. But, um, well, there is another thing that... Yes. Come, that has come up that can bring him in. So this makes sense to have it happen in Rochester, right? And to have Brody leaves Brody Lee's family sort of fix things for the Dark Order that everybody wants to have fixed. So I think that's a pretty cool idea too. I probably would have still preferred Hangman, like our fantasy booking. But I thought this was a nice way to handle or it as well. Or maybe they at least bring out Hangman. Because I think it was good to include them in because they yeah. are Brody's family. But I it was think... cool. It should have been Hangman regardless. I thought the match was the perfect length to get to this. They had a lot of action in it to keep us entertained. Um, but yeah, I don't know who the guy was that took the pin still, but I like this. Yeah, the match itself didn't have a ton of substance in terms of in-ring action, but it need, didn't need to. Dark Horse ending parade of offense was fun enough and that it doesn't matter. I liked him in Huber and Brody Jr. coming out to send Uno back. And the aftermath was really, was really awesome as well. I'm sad Hangman couldn't be involved in this, but he can come, still come back soon to maybe lead the charge against the Elite. Uh, the Dark Order just came back together, and it came full circle. Uh, AEW is just a great company. This is a feel-good moment, and a good honoring of Brody Lee, despite the passing long ago. Like, right. They're still they're going still over. They haven't just done lip service and then moved on. It's still a thing they clearly do care, right? And they're going right. to keep doing it, and it's great. Especially because he, he was just gone. It's the randomly. wrestling company with a little bit of heart, right? It's nice. Yeah. And so um, I they did announce, at least I saw on uh, their Instagram, yeah. that um, for the anniversary Dynamite, they have, um, or they're doing a, um, they're doing... Use your words. Uh, the Casino Ladder Oh, right, you said that. Match. Yep. And so they're, and they announced the, the participants on um, Rampage. And yep. so they're, uh, people have been seeing the Joker because they're... That last gets time us it, our... Last time it was Brian Cage. Right. So this time I'm thinking it could be Hangman, which it's not a debut, but I don't think it has to be a debut I don't time. either. A return of and, someone of his magnitude is good enough. And it would be a callback because he was the Joker in the very first Casino Battle Royale. 
It all makes sense. If this were WWE, we'd be like, that makes too much sense. It'll never happen. But here, I feel like... It makes perfect it's sense. It's reasonable. Literally, the only time I think something made sense and didn't happen is remember when Mox got laid out and he was doing, like, the hangman thing? Oh, yeah. I think that was just people kind of... Reading it. Or maybe it. that was just them kind of teasing us. Yeah, that's the other thing. Just, like, I, I don't mind herring. that, because that's, like, a... A misdirection. A pretty harmless yep. thing as I don't well. Mind it's it. not like them, like, it'd be like, WWE's like, oh, CM Punk's coming, CM Punk's coming, CM Punk's coming. Oh, it's just... Like, it's nothing. A little person dressed as CM Punk. <laughs> right? That's their... Horns. Ha ha, isn't that horns, funny? Hornswoggle comes out. Right. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that would be no. funny. No, it's not. <laughs> um, next, we get a promo from Leo Rush. Yeah, Le- signed Leo Rush. Yeah, they did sign him. I did see that Tony Khan actually did say he wanted him in AW. I would. So. Yeah, Um. he says Tony Khan has been wanting him to be Ali for a while, and here he is. He says he's the man an hour, and you, but you can also call him LBO Leo. He says he that like he explains what that was. I forget what it stands for. Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, something, uh, leverage. Some sort of financial something. thing, yeah. investing in things and whatnot. He says he makes profits for the company and himself. He uses that to make sure he and his people are straight. Uh, wait. So is he trying to? Is he homophobic? No. Oh. That just means like he takes care no, of them. I, I know. I know. Keeps them in. Money. Uh, he says it works if you know what you're doing, and he signs off with the LBO Leo. So, I I thought this was solid, but, and he has officially signed with them now. I don't know if this is a new gimmick, but I just I prefer the Man of the Hour thing better. I don't know. I kind of think this feels like a really fresh take on the Million Dollar Man, basically, right? Like, um, yeah. I thought this was cool. I'm thrilled that Rush, because he's really fun and unique. I know I'm always like, AEW can't sign anybody, but this guy's different, right? Some of the stuff he does. He reminds me of, like, a modern kind of Rey Mysterio with... He's not very big. He's ridiculously fast, and the stuff he does is so quick and clean. Uh, I thought he did a really good job with this. I'm interested in seeing more of this, and like maybe it's not fair to compare. <laughs> it's probably not, but I know more about Leo Rush's brand new character in this little promo than I do about Braun Breaker or Von oh, Wagner, oh, and they've both had roasted. more TV time, right? Like that is I know that he's wealthy, how he got that wealth, what he does with that wealth, right? So, I don't know. I like this. I think it's like Why million, he dollar, million dollar man of the 21st century sort of thing. I think it could be cool. Yeah, when you play like that, it could work, yeah. Um, next, we get a quick promo from FTR. Um, it's basically just Dax Harwood talking. Dax says his father told him excuses are for the weak, um, and he says he is not weak. He says they may have lost to Prime Powerful and the recent loss to Darby, Allen, and Sting, but they refocused, and I think he said totally will have good news for them in the Pinnacle. I think that's what it was. I didn't quite catch it. I think, yeah, that it, it, or that it will be good news for them and right. for Pinnacle or something. Um, I thought this was a solid short promo from them for kind of just a follow-up for the loss. Nothing super important. I think it's... A, I'm hoping this means that they're starting to string some wins together and get more attention. And I've always thought Dax was an excellent talker, kind of underrated. So I like that the idea they're refocused and their best talker is the one talking. I think that's almost symbolic. So like this is really simple, right? But it works for me if they're just like, okay, we've been sort of lost focus. Like he almost died and whatever, right? We've had these issues. So we're ready to start kicking butt again. And I hope they yeah. do. Um, next we get uh, Dan Lambert and the Men of the Year. Um, Lambert Oof. talks about the UFC guy needing Jericho last week on Rampage. Don't even know who it is. Um, Lambert says they shut up and listen to actually hear him compliment Jericho. He talks about how Jericho helped boost AEW when they were just starting. And Lambert says there was a happy ending because Jericho challenged the men of the year and they ended his career. And, well, what do you know? The men of the year get to speak. Uh, Sky tells the fans to shut up. He says a year ago he asked if we were paying attention. I think that was like the initial heel turn. 
Um, he says he was one of the first times in AEW not too long ago. He won the Face of the Revolution ladder match, and it still wasn't good enough. He says the only one who paid attention was Lambert. Um, Ethan Page says the fans aren't paying attention because they're overlooked. Because there's what chance at this point, right? Right, because they won't do, or they don't do what the other guys do. And what's really tough is their martial arts accomplishments, not whatever. Like, he insults the other people, and they're not tough. Right. They are. Um, he says he looks like a champ, walks like a champ, talks like a champ. He says American top team men of the year are the top team as he's just flipping off. Like, he's just losing yep. his mind. Yep. Classic Ethan Page. It is. He almost saved this, honestly. Yeah, I think he kind of did. Um, Lambert's part was far too long and wordy, and he he straight up lost this crowd, right? Like, these hot crowds that kind of love everything. Because I was about to be like, I literally said, it didn't seem like the crowd enjoyed this, and then the what chance started, right? So they're clearly um, bored at this point. And I've heard Lambert cut good promos, but this wasn't one of them. It was one of those, like, he talked for a long time, but he didn't really say anything. So then, unfortunately, Scorpio Sky's not super dynamic on the mic. Like, I think he's okay, but the crowd I was... I think he's pretty good. I just think comparing him to his partner is just... Well, and the crowd was already out here, right? So he got the brunt of the what chance, even though sort of Lambert paved the way for them, I think. Uh, Paige was really good. And the whole, like, these fake tough guys, just because they're wearing leather jackets and doing this and that, right? Like, I'm actually a double black belt sort of thing and I haven't been pinned in AEW like made sense and his intensity and his passion was really good and he almost saved it like either the what chance stopped when he was talking or he was just so damn loud that he drowned them out I don't know <laughs> but I thought he was really good but the rest of this was what I call a rare miss for a lengthy segment in AEW normally if they put some time into it I generally like it but I, I really did not like Lambert's portion of this and I think Paige, it was, he tried to save it, but overall, I, d I didn't like this segment. Um, yeah, that's right. I thought Lambert's promo um, was fine. I thought Sky pro spoke pretty good, and an overall fine promo was saved at the end by Ethan Page, who pulled another stellar performance. He did. I think he's, he's just great. Um, next, we get a promo from Hikaru Shida, mm -hmm. which is kind of merged with Serena Deeb, kind of a back-and-forth thing once again. She says in the past two years, many things have happened. She lists things she has done. Um, she says that the anniversary show she will accomplish 50 wins. They did kind of make a big deal of this for right. uh, Jungle Boy So that's well. consistent. I like that That's part. consistency. That also means that a lot of other people, I guess, haven't gotten 50 right. wins. That's right, because he but was I the guess first. It, so. it does make more sense, sense for her because she was champion for the year. And won a ton of matches Right, it makes way. a little less sense for Jungle Boy. I mean, he has won a bunch, but, like, this, like, you can easily point to, like, oh, yes. yeah, she won a bunch here, right? Yep. Um... Um, and so, yeah, she says at the anniversary show, she'll accomplish 50 wins. Uh, Serena D says her 50th win will mean nothing if not with the woman of 1,000 holds. I like that because it plays into her technical style and also an homage to D. Malenko. That's right. Uh, she says she is honored to face someone she respects like Deeb, who seems to have a little more of an aggressive side here. She is playing the uh, bit Deeb of a heel now. Deeb says she invites Sheeta to step into Deep's dojo, and she says she will turn at the AEW's two-year anniversary. Yeah, um... First of all, I would love to see this match. I've come full circle on Serena Deeb. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, I think she in really ring, impressed me in some matches when she was defending the um, NWA title. I saw title. her work heel somewhere, too, a, while, a long while ago. WWE. No, since she was in AEW, I mean. I can't. It was some indie thing I was watching, and she had a great match. Anyways, uh, I think... Was it NWA? Might have been. I think this is a simple way to create an interesting match on a show with a huge roster, right? You don't always have time to develop. So this simple, like, I want to get my 50, 50th win and the heel going, uh-uh. Like, simple, I want to see the match. It's good. I liked it. Yeah, um, I, I again enjoyed the style. 
um, a promo segment I thought is uh, solid and it, should, it sets up what should be a strong uh, a match from an uh, in-ring standpoint. At, I think uh, so. Uh, one of their special shows. And a really quick like microwave build to it, right? That I think is fine. Ha, nice. Yeah. Um, next we get Ty Conti and Anna Jay, otherwise known as TJ. Apparently. Uh, versus the Bunny and Penelope Ford, which shouldn't it be Ty J? And fully, fully matching gear, like they look cool. It's just like, what? We have an actual tag division. What's going on here? Sort yeah. of thing, right? Which I will elaborate that on that more after the match. Oh, okay. Um, a frenzied tag match with some decent action from three competitors, barring one. <laughs> it's true. Would you like to guess which one? Take, Take a, a guess. Wild guess. One of these things is not like the other, <laughs> as they say on um, Sesame Street. <laughs> A brawl on the outside. Uh, the match does start. Double back elf by TJ for two. Uh, Judo throws by Conti. Backstabber by Ford. Followed by a hot shot on the ropes by Bunny, which is where like they pull down right. your face so like your throat's kind of uh, goes off the ropes. Uh, springboard crossbody after a flurry by Conti. Stunner and Fireman's carry double knee gut buster by uh, Ford for two, which that's a mouthful. Uh, Fireman's carry double knee gut it buster. It looks good. Yeah. It's a cool move. Uh, Ty KO on the outside, but Conti didn't get all of it. No. And Jay hits an arm shaft kick. Um, I feel like Booker T used to do something similar. Unlocks in the Queen Slayer, aka okay, Sleeper Hold for the win. Yeah, I'm. I thought for the time it got, there was lots of good action in this. I thought like, um, TJ, both of them looked like aggressive, and even just like their back elbows and kicks, I thought looked really good. There was some impressive stuff by everybody in this, except Bunny. No offense, Bunny. Uh, and I thought Conti and Jay specifically looked good. And with the moment with minus one, or sorry, negative one, right? Afterwards minus was... Minus one, wow. he came out and hugs Tay Conti or whatever, right? I thought that was a nice... And she looked really emotional, too. Like, yeah, apparently whether they're, Whether it like, was real or fake, like... They're buddies, apparently, Yeah, they did mention point. that. And yeah. then he's like, he's also close to Dana J, too. Good good job, Jer. So I, I thought for the time it got, it was pretty fun, actually. And the aftermath was cool. Yeah, and so um, I thought it was a fine match. It didn't help that I was not invested in this feud whatsoever, but... Hopefully, after this match, it can be put to rest. Exactly. That's um, a good I feel point. like it wouldn't be the worst idea for some women's tag titles for AEW down the road because it seems like Conti and Jay really don't have any purpose. And even if AEW. And they've got matching outfits. Right. And even if AEW doesn't have enough teams to sustain a vision, to, like, uh, say, Impact, right? Yeah. The Forbidden Door can easily rectify that, right? Like, there's yeah. just. There's so many promotions that they are working with at the moment where they it just uh, they can bring in people, right? Yep. And you could easily combine uh, some people in the And then that's belts well. that people can take back to other companies occasionally too, right? Like you have other Right. It just gives teams a lot like, of opportunities. These two teams something to do. Yep. I mean maybe not Bonnie, but Yeah, and there um, was one funny line, remember what uh I think it was Punk. It was Punk who said, I think it's safe to say that these two are the most uh, attractive members of what was it? The HFO. Yeah, and they said other than obviously other than Butcher, like with Excalibur, <laughs> that was funny. without missing a beat. That was funny. <laughs> that that um another office reference. That's like kind of like when Jim's just ready with the line, you know? Yes, it was quick. Yeah. Um, and I thought everyone except Bunny got time to look good, and overall this was a fine match. Yep. Uh, you talk, Bunny. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Bunny. <laughs> It's the only happy memory of her I have is eaten by the stage. Yes, <laughs> at an impact taping. Yep, she got uh, next swallowed. Next we get a cargo uh, Rose Rosa promo. Ha- Rose Rosa. Wow, I didn't even make note of that. It must be epic. <laughs> uh, Sterling says the Jade Brand is finally getting a challenge worth their time. Oh right. I think this might be when you're making coffee. Yeah, probably. Uh, cargo says she'll beat both of them. Rosa says anything goes. Which I feel like they have to go other way and make an ODQ triple threat. Where <laughs> I'm so used to in WWE, it's like. This is normal, but like, I remember on um, uh, early AEW, I got annoyed because they had rope breaks and triple threats, which yes. 
I feel like, I don't know, I feel like that's kind of weird. No, that makes more sense than, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. Um, Rosa says, uh, or no, Rose. Ha, <laughs> almost said Rosa. See, th- 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 this is not okay. Right, Rose it's tricky. And Rosa. Rose says their pain will be her pleasure. Uh, this is fine, I guess, to set up a match. Yeah, it, it gets Jade kind of stepping up in caliber and also puts her in a triple threat so she doesn't have to be super exposed right yet with these two so i don't know it's interesting i guess it was fine yeah and next we get a promo from um majifa mjf mj says he wants aw to be successful and he'll do anything to make that happen he says aw keeps building more and more momentum and so i actually did see a thing about this um and so like i so i knew he he was saying this but he says there have been four men since the beginning of AW who are the four pillars and will be moving forward. Right. And he lists, he names them as Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, and himself. And he lists all of his accomplishments in AW. He talks about beating the first two, and then he just quickly glosses over Darby Allen, right? Like, Dar- whatever, and moves yeah. on quickly. Which I think that that's fair. They're all young stars. They are. Have, it's very fair. Who, um, I think they were all uh, doing stuff before AW, but AEW is where they were really put on the map. Like, Darby Allen, I only knew him from that one documentary. Right. Guevara, I know he was doing stuff. Remember, he had the panda thing. And we saw him before right. he was famous. That's true. Well, that was kind of as AEW was starting. Yeah, it was. That was before Dynamite, it was. He was signed already. Yeah. Um, and, I think. Uh, and I know MJF was... I don't know if Jungle Boy was, but anyways, these guys were like... They were made in AEW, pretty much. Yep. Um, he says without him, AEW isn't anything. He's, he says he's AEW's past, present, and future. I don't know how... He's AEW's past that much, but sure. Uh, he deser- And he deserves to be um, AEW world champion. He says he loves Tony Khan, and he is easily in his top two cons in pro wrestling. Yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Just funny, because one, there's only two, and two, the other of them is Nick Khan. So right. The guy supposedly, like, trying to, like, that's behind the releases. I mean, there's Possibly, no- yeah, the, the guy who cuts everybody. Right. Um, Darby Allen interrupts. MJF tells Darby to listen up. He says he loves Darby's whole routine, but he doesn't like the interruption. He says Darby is jealous of him. And he says there's nothing wrong with being second best. He says he is number one. And Darby tells, uh, says MJF keeps starting to leave if he doesn't get what he wants. And he tells MJF to go and nobody will care. Right. He says he is AEW for life. And he asks how MJF is the number one pillar when he is the only one bet- between the two of them to win a title. He says he will stand back. Because, um, or MJF, um, says he'll stand back because Darby is straight edge. That's because of an accident with Darby's uncle, where his, his, his uncle died. And I saw this line coming. Uh, he said it was a travesty because the wrong man died. And I think that's probably a real story. I don't know. Like, it feels like that's something they drew from real life. But anyways, yeah. maybe not. Um, and MJF taunts Darby to hit him. But Darby says, he, uh, MJF won't break him mentally. And just says they're done here and he more the leave. Yeah, um. I don't think MJF on the mic is really bad, but I didn't love the first part, like when before Alan got there. I think MJF was way better once he had someone to play off and specifically insult, so it picked up there. Um, Alan's no MJF, but I thought he looked pretty good standing up to MJF here. Like he held his own for sure. MJF, like he's better than everybody on the mic, so you can't really compete. But I exactly, I, yeah. and I don't think it's Alan's strength, but I think. I'm getting more comfortable and he's getting more comfortable. I think he seems more comfortable anyways. So I didn't love the first part of this, but by the end I thought it was good. Um yeah. 
Um, another, I thought it was another good promo from MJF, and, um, I thought he worked, uh, really well off of Darby Allen. I thought Darby Allen, uh, did a great job and worked well off of MJF as well, and these guys, uh, are rightfully two of AEW's pillars. Um, but yeah, and so next we have, uh, Sammy Guevara Miro promo. Um, Sammy says he knew Fuego would challenge, but he didn't know he would bet his car, and just basically saying like that was kind of stupid. Yep. Um... Uh, why did I write MJF, says Fuego. No, I meant Miro, says Fuego is betting on losing it all because he came back for more and he thinks he and Fuego has a gambling problem. What promo for some reason? What is wrong with me? I don't know. Sammy Can't talks type. about how big Miro is. He says he has been doing this in his backyard and he'll become TNT champion. Uh, what do you think? Uh, good babyface promo, man. This guy has massive potential for like a top flight good guy for years and years and years along with Jungle Boy, just what MJF was saying. And Darby Allen too, you can throw him in there. So, and honestly, it seems like top level baby faces are the hardest thing to make in wrestling. And they've got like two or three that I think will be around for a decade or more if they want to keep them. So, yeah, I like this. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good promo from these two. And Sammy seems to be pretty gone on the mic now. And we follow up immediately with our main event, which is Sammy Guevara versus Miro for the TNT Championship. Right. Um, and I thought this was a great big man, little man match with a very popular result. Yeah. Um, Sammy goes for a running knee and gets blocked by Miro, a suplex by Miro. Miro put, um, kind of like, <clears throat> puts, um, the, Sammy's chain in his mouth, which they made a note, like, yeah. he shouldn't be wearing that. Right, they did um, point it out. And he pulls out. on, like, kind of puts it in his mouth like a, um, like you would with, like, an actual chain, like the big metal chains. Mm -hmm. Crossbody over the top rope by Sammy. Uh, Sammy avoids an attack from Miro, and Miro gets sent into the steps. Miro catches in a, sh a shooting star press by Guevara and hits a belly to belly. He didn't get it perfectly, but it was still crazy regardless. Like, I thought it was really cool. For sure. It wasn't as clean as they hoped, I don't think, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah. Um, where am I? Uh, there it is. Uh, chin lock by Miro post-commercial break. Exciting. A release German suplex by Miro. Short arm lariats by Miro. A standing smash fly by Guevara, which is really nice. Yes. Super kick and running knee by Guevara. A big Fosbury flop dive over the ring post by Guevara. A swing near Nagi by Miro, a middle rope diving cutter by Guevara, Moshka kick by Miro, uh, for a near fall. Miro takes off all the top turnbuckles. Sammy hits a knee, which knocks Miro into the turnbuckle, falls with the Trinity T, a GDH, a GTH, uh, and a 630 Centon for the win. Crazy. Uh, I thought there was a chance Sammy would win, but I, I'm still surprised. Like, I thought the safer bet was Miro retaining. But yeah, I thought this was a pretty excellent match as well. Started kind of slowly with Miro in control, right? And built as some great matches do. Like you said, just an awesome contrast in styles here. Some really good near falls. And then again, we go back to Miro's neck being his weak spot. So hitting his head off of the, the exposed turnbuckles, right? And then taking the DDT set up for the finish. So they went back to that, which is good. Uh, I was, again, surprised by the win, but I don't have a problem with it. Miro's had a really good run. He can complain and point out the exposed turnbuckle and cry it wasn't fair if he wants to. Although I don't know if that's his character. But we could get a rematch for this, possibly, and I'd be fine with that. So I thought this was a really good main event. Um, yeah, so I thought this was a great main event with a good style contrast. Somewhat of a David vs. Goliath match. Uh, the finishing sequence is a cool callback to some of the previous matches. And Sam Lee definitely deserves this win. I think it'll make for a great fighting champion, which seems to be the template for the, the, the TNT yeah, champion. Yeah, exactly. Um, thoughts on the show as a whole. Really like this episode of Dynamite. I said it last week. If a show gives me a strong opener and a strong main event, right, they're already going to get an acceptable grade at least because 
that's important to me. It just puts me in a great mood to start and then caps it off, right, with something good. So the opening Cole Jungle Boy match was my match of the night and was pretty fantastic. I thought the main event was excellent as well. And then in between, there was nothing really bad, right? Dante Martin and Lee Johnson looked really good in their tag match. I thought the women's tag was a fun sprint with the cool moment afterward with a negative one. And the Dark Order match and the aftermatch felt right, like felt like about what I yeah. wanted out of that, right? So the low point was the Mox Kingston tag enhancement match and whatever, it wasn't terrible. So you got Arn cut a great promo, Super Elite and Danielson had a good back half of that, I thought. MJF and Allen was a mostly good segment. Ruby Britt Baker was a quick back and forth I liked, and they introduced a new character in Leo Rush that I found really interesting. The only big miss on this segment-wise for me was the Lambert segment, and that sucks because I love Ethan Page, but this group's really not working for me right now, and I think the crowd would agree with me because they that's the only time they sort of got lost on this show. So overall, strong show top to bottom, first hour in particular flew by for me, so I'm giving it another A- minus this week. And honestly, we talked about it like, what would we do without AEW right now, right? Because NXT is the only WWE product that we really enjoyed, and it's kind of gone at this point. So without this company, like on a, a national weekly TV show, I don't know what I'd be watching. So uh, I, I don't, I feel like I would just torture myself every week and watch all their shows. Another really strong like episode this shows. week. Um, the opener was a great match for the second week in a row and beat the whole NXT show. Post-match promo segment was pretty good as well. Um, I like the Lucha Rose interview setting up something interesting. Um, I think that would be a good match to put on the anniversary show, which I think is in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Seidel and Martin versus Lee and Cody was fine as a match, and the aftermath was better. I quite liked the arm promo. Like yep, I was impressed. Me too. Uh, the trios match was a squash, which was again random. The Soho Baker promo was pretty good. Uh, the big multi-man tag wasn't the greatest match, but it was a great moment, and it like you said, it felt right. Yep. Um, Leo Rush cut a pretty solid promo, as did FTR. Um, Lambert's promo was fine, but I definitely liked that the men of the year got to speak this time. Uh, Sheeta and Deeb's segment was fine as well. The women's tag match was solid. Uh, the little triple threat match was solid, and MJS promo coupled with Darby Allen was a great segment. They worked off each other really well, they I did. thought. Yep. Uh, Sammy and Miro had a good little segment, and their match was uh, even better. Overall, great show, but a couple things I didn't love hold it back a little bit, so it's a, a B-plus on the brink of an A-minus for me. Right. I thought it was a great show, but not quite as good as Grand Slam, which I did give an A-minus, so right. that kind of helped me like kind of decide the grade. That sounds fair to me. All right, so that's wrapping up the AEW Dynamite review, and we'll take us into the next segment to talk about other wrestling stuff that we cleverly call any other wrestling business. So we'll start out taking a look at this week's episode of Impact Wrestling, which I thought was a pretty entertaining episode overall. It starts out with a recap of Josh Alexander last week making the decision to exercise op option C. He turns in his X Division title for a shot at the Impact Championship. Ace Austin and Madman Fulton then attacked afterward. Alexander then um, that led to a match, which was the main event, and Alexander defeated Ace Austin in what I thought was a really good main event. And it also saw the return of Christopher Jan Daniels. So Christopher I Daniels? So I, for one, am not that thrilled to see Daniels. I kind of feel like he's past his prime a little bit. I thought that his last little bit in AEW looked to me like he had lost a step. But maybe that means he'll fit Although, in. Other than the match with the Bucks, that was really good. That yeah. was this year, right? Yeah, I think so. 
And okay, also, there, so, um, I have wait, a little. Was, yeah, oh, I'll put that on the. Also, I have really a little good. personal bias because remember we saw him at an indie show and he looked totally oh miserable God. and wasn't super friendly and he was the only guy there trying to charge people for photos, which I just walked away from, I believe, right? When he was like, I was like, can we get a picture with you? Yep, sure, it's $10. And I was like, nope, never mind. And we got pictures with everybody else for free, right? Like Sammy Guevara, I think you yeah, got. Did a... we get Guevara? I can't remember. I think you got, went and got him by yourself. No, that was I... Devlin. Oh, that was Devlin, right? So Jordan Devlin, we saw. Um, the Psycho Mike guy. Trent Seven was there, right? Trent Seven. Yeah, he I... was really nice. Uh, the Stronghearts, Chima. Oh yeah. All um, of those guys. Ozzy Open. Yep, that was cool. I it was think a they're affiliated with uh, Osprey. So anyways, Daniels is here. We're going to see him later in this show. This uh, show opened up with a triple threat match to qualify for the X Division Championship Finals since Josh Alexander's vacating that title. He it's is. now kind of up for grabs. So in this first match, we get Laredo Kid, Alex Zane, recently released from WWE. FKA, and now Ari Sterling. And uh, Trey Miguel. Yeah, I was a little surprised he's keeping his WWE name, right? No, he's not. Wasn't he? Oh, he was already. He was yeah, Zane before. Yeah. Sorry, I thought that was his indie name, but you're right. Sorry. Um, so I think it's nice to see Alex Zane making an appearance. What I had seen of him. Sorry. It's okay. In his brief time in WWE, I was pretty impressed, and I also went and watched some independent footage. He has some pretty crazy moves. So, anyways, I really like this match, and actually had you sit down and watch it. Right, I watched it twice today. Um, so it's full speed right out of the start. Everybody hitting something before all three of them do that simultaneous drop kick attempt and to no advantage right in the crowd yeah, is, it's like oh my god the crowd's Shana. already chanting for x division here so zane hits a standing shooting star senton that was pretty nice like delo's like what did i just see right that's an excellent question trey hit um that hurricane rana from the inside of the ring to laredo kid who's on the apron and sending both of them to the floor so jungle boy not to spoil anything he already no, already talked about it he already did that this week right um, looks awesome. So then we get sort of an inset. We see Matthew Raywalt is watching the match from somewhere backstage. So he's had itchu- issues with Laredo Kid already. So I kind of didn't like this because right away that let me know that Laredo Kid's not winning this match, right? Because he's obviously going to continue this feud with Raywalt. So it kind of for me was like, okay, eliminate him from winning this. Although I already had a feeling who was going to win anyways. Laredo Kid at one point hits a 450 splash to both Trey and Zane, as Trey sort of has Zane in a leg lock, which I thought looked pretty cool. Then Trey Miguel has a knuckle lock on Zane. Miguel hops up onto the top rope and kind of out of nowhere from the apron. Uh, Laredo Kid hits a springboard Rana to Miguel off the top rope. Looked cool. Uh, Laredo Kid hits a top rope cutter to Trey, and that leads to Trey hitting a splash on Alex Zane, which was pretty cool too. And then I... Do you remember what it was? Because my notes just say Zane hits something I can't describe because I don't know what it was. Remember that move? Yes. It looked cool, and uh, Stryker had no idea what it was either. It was some flippy doodad. And Zane rolls out. Of, it was the only problem was he hits that move, then he rolls out of the ring, right? And that allows Trey to hit his top rope meteora to pin Laredo Kid. So Trey is going to move on from this. I mean, I don't know if this. that's like the best, the best finish. I don't love it. See, it's one it's, again. My thing with Trey is he's lightning fast and everything, but a lot of his stuff doesn't look super. Even when he hits like a back elbow or whatever, it's not that impactful compared You're, to some even people. Even just like I don't know, I, just, I think like it's a cool move, but I wouldn't use that as a finish. Fair. Uh, I thought this was a great opener by Impact standards for sure. Tons of speed, lots of innovative, cool-looking moves by everybody at some point in this. The match never stopped from the second it started, really. Didn't get a ton of time. Not the shortest match you'll see on Impact, for sure. But I, I thought it was really entertaining and thought it was a great start to an episode of Impact. Did you like the match? I don't know if you yeah, liked it as it, much it as I did. Yeah, it was good. But... I mean, I don't, I don't... 
it's not that great because it's just super short. So it's not like it doesn't yeah. feel like a match. It was match a sprint match, for sure. It was good as like a sprint. Match. I think if you watch Impact every week, you appreciate a match like this sometimes, right? Thrown in there. So then we go back to Matthew Raywalt. I finally learned his name. It's taken me, what, like a month, six weeks to learn it. But anyways. With my help, right. I played You mentoring part. me along the way. Yes. So he talks about Laredo Kid uh, building his art and that many people would um, attack Laredo Kid's match. The world doesn't understand the Lucha Libre and Lucha, uh, sorry, Laredo Kid's art, but Matthew Raywalt does. And next week, he wants to bring Laredo Kid to his world and they can make the rest of the world accept their art together. So I thought this was a bit different and I, I kind of liked it, if I'm being honest, because he's really leaning into this artist gimmick, right? And he's like, I see that you're an artist as well. So I think we should get together and create this beautiful art. But since he's a heel... I'm hoping that when they do wrestle, like he starts cheating like crazy, right? Because I'm this artist, blah blah blah. But then he resorts. It's kind of like um, when Meyer says he's the most professional, right? But and then, then he cheats all the time, right? So that's what I'm hoping for because that seems like a pretty interesting heel gimmick to me. So there's been times where I haven't loved his sort of character, but I thought this was pretty interesting. We then get an update from Sammy Callahan. It wasn't in my news at any point, but. Um, anyways, the, the update here is that he was attacked and taken to a medical facility earlier in the day. So as a result of the attack, Morrissey and Eddie Edwards will now have a street fight on this show and Moose will be banned from ringside. So I did read that Sammy, unfortunately, is legit injur injured and he's going to be out of action for a while, which is really too bad because I've been quite liking his anti-hero work lately. And I also, even though I'm not a big Eddie Edwards fan, the dynamic between the two of them um, getting involved with Moose and Morrissey, I've enjoyed as well. So really bad timing for Sammy because he is now out and Eddie's sort of got to, they have to shift on the fly and Eddie's got to go this alone. So then Eddie Edwards gets a promo. He talks about the current situation involving Morrissey, Moose and Sammy. Uh, Edwards tells Morrissey he's going to get what's coming to him and he calls Impact the land of misfit toys with Edwards being the biggest misfit of them all. He says tonight their fight ends once and for all and he's coming for Moose next. Um, a pretty standard promo, but I mean, considering they had to shift gears so quickly because of Sammy's injury, I thought it was fine. They're trying to just patch this together as best they can at this point, I guess. We then get a Knockouts Tag Team number one contendership match, which is the influence comprised of Tennille Dashwood and Madison Rain taking on Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering. So Caleb's taking pictures right away of the influence to sort of force the baby, face to, baby faces to wait for them to start the match. Ellering dominates Tennille early with holds and some mat work. The heels finally gain the advantage when Tennille hits a front trip and drags Ellering to the floor. As Grace comes to deal with the approaching Caleb, Madison Rain takes her out from behind. Grace and Ellering get back in control, execute some quick double-team moves in their corner. Rain finally tags in and hits some cravat knees to Jordan Grace. The influence then isolate Grace in their corner, make quick tags, and hit some double-team moves of their own. We get an eventual Ellering hot tag. She cleans house, hits a TKO and a pop-up spine buster that looked pretty good. More double teaming by the baby faces leads to Grace hitting her uh, Vader bomb in the corner with Caleb running to put Rain's foot on the ropes to save the pinfall. We get a DDT by Madison Rain and the spotlight kick, which is Tennille's fish finisher to Rachel Ellering, or no, sorry, to Jordan Grace, but Ellering breaks up the cover. We then get a leg trapped suplex by Ellering and the finish comes when Jordan Grace gets involved with Caleb on the floor and the influ influence use that opportunity to hit a double team I mean, Jeff Jarrett called it the stroke. Um, Miz calls it the skull-crushing finale. So it's basically that with one of the influence on either side of the opponent. They do it to Ellering, and they pick up the win. Mm, that's not a great tag team move. It's not. It honestly didn't look terrific. 
I actually thought this match was pretty good and it got a decent amount of time by impact standards. I personally really like Ellering and Jordan Grace as a team and individually, but it seems like Decay are babyface champions despite sort of their appearance and whatnot. The crowd's always behind them. So I guess it makes sense that the heels win here and move on to challenge for the titles. I enjoyed the match, especially Grace and Ellering were in control. I thought uh, they're just a great combination of power, speed, and technical ability, If to be honest. Like, I think Jordan Grace should be one of the faces of the women's division, but in the meantime, that's a pretty solid yeah, she, tag she team. she's pretty good. She's awesome. Uh, we go backstage to talk to Daniels, who says he doesn't need to knock on the forbidden door when you built the house. He says he's here to handle business <laughs> with, with Madman Fulton. Josh Alexander greets Daniels, says he appreciates his assistance last week before being interrupted by Christian, who blames Josh Alexander for needing help last week in the first place. Daniels tells them that he's happy to help, but he's not here to be buddies with everyone, and maybe they'll find out his intentions soon, and then he walks off. Christian and Alexander remain. Christian tells Alexander he made the save because he doesn't want any excuses at the pay-per-view. Like, he doesn't want Josh. He wants Josh at 100%, basically. He tells Alexander if he wants to be champion, he's going to have to start acting like it, and then he walks off. So we're not the biggest Christian fans here, but I kind of like... Even though he's a babyface, he's got some animosity towards Josh Alexander, who's also a babyface. And I love Alexander's really subtle reactions because he just stands there and says nothing, basically. So I think that it's that Christian is a babyface, but he's feeling really threatened by Alexander, as he should be, because he's just a beast, right? And a technical wrestler, and he's just amazing. And I don't think all babyfaces need to get along either, necessarily, right? Daniels was fine here, but it was kind of an afterthought for me. We're supposed to wonder what his intentions are in returning to Impact, but I really don't care that much, so I was more interested in the Christian-Alexander interaction that I kind of liked. We then get a Brian Meyer segment, and it's how to be a professional Chapter 41 physical fitness. So you've got um, Manny Lemons is down doing a whole bunch of push-ups, and then um, Zicky Dice is not really able to do push-ups, and Myers is sort of critical of both of them except for VSK who shows up and they're like, why isn't he doing all of this? And it's because VSK already finished 10 minutes ago. So Myers calls Zicky Dice disgusting. And then Beal says there are fear that Myers is playing favorites with uh, VSK. Myers says if they want to continue to sit under the learning tree, they need to be more like VSK. He says if they want to stay under the tree, they better take notes as a roster cut is coming, sort of implying he's going to cut one of these people that's sort of in his little... I don't know, his his students or whatever you want to say. So Myers and VSK leave to go to dinner talking about getting a steak. And Sam Beal, sweet, naive Sam Beal, doesn't realize that Myers was also talking about him facing a possible roster cut. So he stays to lecture Zicky Dice and Manny Lemons briefly before leaving to try and catch up with Myers and VSK, even though he wasn't really invited. So I might be the only one, but I still find these segments entertaining somehow because you can't really find many reviews of Impact Wrestling anywhere, and like in print anyways, and if people do review the segments, they never comment on if they like them or not. They only talk about if they like the matches. So I think Myers is a really good performer, a perfect fit for Impact, and I actually like Sam Beal's really naive character a lot. So he's been Almost with my... like the way. He, yeah, he's... Yeah, you're right a little bit. Like, um... Austin Theory, right? Like, he's yeah, just yeah. not quite getting what's going on. So he's been with Myers the longest, so he doesn't realize that VSK is now Myers' favorite in the group. So I thought this, and it was kind of a short segment, despite me talking about it for a while, but I, but I liked it. We then get an update from the Good Brothers on vacation. 
They are discussing all the cool things they've been doing, including beating up John Moxley. Gallo says they've been spending time watching Impact on YouTube. Gallows asks Anderson what he thinks of a number of wrestlers, including Rich Swan, and they say beat him. The Bullet Club beat him, whatever, or not the Bullet Club, but Finn Juice beat him. So they say Finn Juice will face off with the Bullet Club in a number one contenders match for a title match with the Good Brothers at Bound for Glory. I didn't really like this segment. They've done this a couple weeks in a row now with them quote-unquote being on vacation, but they're clearly just to get the Good Brothers on the show as they are likely traveling the road with AEW, right? So they can't they can't do both, so this is what they've cho- chosen to do. But the audio and video quality are really poor, and they just come across as like recorded on the fly, like one take. Just sit down and say some stuff, and we'll throw it on the show. So I don't think it adds anything. It's just kind of like, hey, remember the Good Brothers wrestle here, and they have championships, and that's about it. So Diana Perrazzo is off to the farm to find Mickey James herself. She finds Mickey working in the barn, and then we get some like ominous music sort of played underneath as they start to brawl in the barn. So Mickey takes the upper hand, tosses Deanna into the wall a couple times. Deanna grabs a bucket that's hanging off the wall, sma- it's a plastic bucket, but nonetheless, smashes it into the head of Mickey, then dumps a wheelbarrow full of hay on her. Deanna goes to lock Mickey in the barn, but Mickey hits her with a bucket of her own and screams, screaming about, you want to come to my house? Deanna says she'll, and they had to censor it, effing kill Mickey, and tries to hit her with a pitchfork. Mickey dodges the pitchfork, drops Deanna with another bucket shot. Mickey then asks Deanna if she wants to see Hardcore Country, then smashes her head off another bucket. It's more like a barrel, I guess. Goes to hit her with it again before getting kicked in the stomach. Deanna tries to choke Mickey out in front. There's one of those um, like posts where you would tie your horses, so there's ropes to it, so she's trying to choke her with one of those ropes. Mickey then... Sort of as she's trying, as she's getting choked, grabs a hose and sprays water at Deanna to escape. Mickey hits Deanna with another barrel shot. Deanna tells Mickey she hates her before trying to drown her in a bucket of water. Someone screams and asks what's going on over there. So Deanna stops, says a few final words to Mickey that I didn't quite catch while Mickey's sort of on the ground and Deanna Perrazzo walks away. So this was a pretty lengthy brawl. Honestly, probably mat- longer than some matches you'll see on Impact. But I liked it. I think there was good intensity from both of them. And I think that the build to this match has been really good. Um, I appreciate the effort, too, of Impact going outside their arena to film a segment because it does sort of tie into Mickey's hardcore country image, right? So I think that this was another solid segment in what's been a really good build and I think will hopefully be a really good match because Deanna Peralza is awesome and I think Mickey James can still go as well. So a really good build to this feud because... I keep saying it, right? There's nobody really in Impact right now that I think is a legitimate contender for Perazzo. Like, again, I love Jordan Grace, but she's being billed as a tag team person right now, and there's no singles and woman. And she's the one who initially uh, lost to right. Perazzo. And there's no singles woman, literally, that I can think of that would be a reasonable challenger right now for Perazzo. So they had to look elsewhere. Um, Finn Juicer then backstage. They aren't happy about the Bullet Club using the numbers game against them repeatedly. They say that they finally found their plus one to help fight the Bullet Club, and it's Chris Sabin who walks up. Sabin says in his brutal delivery as usual that he thinks it's the Bullet Club's beating time, and next week they'll handle their issues with Bullet Club and go drink a beer. Um, So fine, nothing special, a simple way to build to a six-man tag, I guess. Moving on, Madman Fulton with Ace Austin is taking on Christopher Daniels in his first match back since returning last week. Oh, yeah, that's a great first opponent. Uh, actually, I mean, I'll get to it, but I think Fulton's getting better. 
Uh, so Daniels goes after Fulton's leg right away with a couple kicks, but Fulton takes over with a shoulder tackle and a pretty long delayed vertical suplex. Daniels then with some kicks and a clothesline to take control. Daniels sends Fulton to the floor, hits an Arabian uh, moonsault and a slingshot elbow once he gets back in the ring. We get a boot and a splash by Fulton to stop Daniels' momentum. Diving headbutts, I think there was three of them by Fulton for two. Fulton dominates for a while using his size and power until Daniels counters with a jumping DDT. We get a second rope Rana by Daniels and a broken STO is what they called it because um, basically... Fulton was on his knees and then he hit the STO so it did look painful like it would hurt um, Fulton's knees so I didn't know I did not know that was a thing but there it was power slam by Fulton for two Fulton then distracts the ref in the ring Austin starts to attack Daniels until Josh Alexander comes down to fight Austin up the ramp and take him away back in the ring Daniels hits the eight angels wings for what I thought was the finisher but Fulton kicks out at one which I thought was a pretty cool spot then we get a second rope flatliner and a clothesline to the back of Fulton's neck. That sets Daniels up for his BME. He hits it and the match is over. If I'm being honest, as I always am with you guys, this match over-delivered for me and Fulton seems to have improved considerably. I mean, maybe Daniels still has it and is making him look good because um, I thought Daniels looked good in this too. And despite what I said about him earlier, he did look really good. Uh, the crowd was really into Daniels in his return. So I enjoyed this match a lot more than I thought I would. And maybe Fulton's getting good. That is a possibility, I guess. Guess what? Johnny Swinger's backstage in Swinger's Palace. He's more nervous now that the Northern Ice Tour than he was on the Northern Ice Tour with Van Hammer. So there's a reference because he's trapped in the 80s or 90s or whatever it is. Scott Demore makes what I think is his first appearance in Swinger's Palace. And Swinger says he has a deal for him. He says, don't take Impact to Vegas so Swinger can keep his casino. Demore points out that there is absolutely nothing for him in that deal, so he's not going to do it. Demore gets Swinger to admit that he doesn't have a permit to run this casino. So Demore says he has no choice but to shut it down. And Swinger is left sort of to panic this possibility to end the segment. Um... And Swinger just basically, I guess he ended by saying, think about it, daddy, or something like that. So this felt kind of pointless, even more so than some of the other Swinger's Palace. Um, I don't think that the somewhat serious authority figure in Scott Demore should show up in a ridiculous segment like this, but he did. I will say Swinger is one heck of a performer doing this. He's amazing, but I just, it's not interesting to me. And I'll be just fine if these segments stop forever if Swinger's Palace does get closed, or even if it's just for a while while Impact's on the road in Las Vegas. So Ace, Austin, and Fulton are backstage looking for Scott Demore. They find him, and Ace says the inmates are running the asylum right now at Impact. He says Josh, Alexander, and Daniels keep getting involved in their business. Demore compliments Fulton for his work in the match with Daniels, but says next week Josh will team with Christian to take on Ace and Fulton. He says they can handle their own problems, and Ace seems pleased with this matchup to end the segment. And I mean, this is just a very obvious, right, standard wrestling. This is the next step in this story, as well as sort of the Alexander Christian angle, because now they're going to have to sort of work together as tag partners, right? Because they're both baby faces, it, so... But they're still reluctant because they don't really like each other at this point. So it's kind of furthering two stories at the same time. So that's fine. Uh, Austin, this wasn't his best spot on the mic. He seemed to be trying to go a bit too quickly and stumbled a little bit before Demore or when he was talking to Demore. So Violent by Design come to the ring. Eric Young says they had all the power and control before someone made a mistake. Someone let the sickness back in. Someone let the sickness take control. And that someone was Rhino. Young knows that Rhino knows he made a mistake. 
he knows he understands that he forced their hand. They had to leave him lying so he could see the truth and be his purest form. Now Rhino has a decision to make. He's either with them. This is the funny decision. You're either with us or you walk away. But Rhino knows no one walks away. So, so then you're with us how or you pretend not to be with us? Yeah, I don't know. that The option second. You have two options, but one of those options isn't an option. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Eric asked the crowd what it's going to he, He's just trying to give him the freedom of choice. So he doesn't ask the crowd. He asks Rhino what it's going to be and says he needs to make the right choice. The crowd chants for Rhino to walk away before he might finally makes his way to the ring. Rhino gets in the ring and Young asks if he's going to do the right thing and tells Rhino not to listen to the crowd. EY says his voice is the only thing that matters. He asks what's it going to be? Will Rhino do the right thing? Rhino is hesitant to decide. But EY insists he decide before forcing their hand again, sort of threatening another beatdown, I guess. Young advises Rhino not to make them be violent again. Diener and Doring start to close in around Rhino as Eric Young says that this is it. This is the crossroads Rhino has created. And Rhino brought this oh, on himself. Oh, not really a crossroads. There's only one road. One of the roads is kind of fake. Right. Eric repeats that you're either with Violent by Design or you walk away. And he says again, and nobody walks away from Violent by Design. <laughs> either you stay or you walk away, but you don't actually and walk away. And I feel away. like you predicted this a while ago. Before Rhino can decide who comes out. Heath. Right. You were right. Did you predict that a couple weeks ago? Uh, maybe. I think you did. So Heath, formerly Heath Slater, is back. I did hear back. that he came back. Heath drops Diener with some punches, clotheslines Doring out of the ring. Eric Young escapes before he can get uh, caught up in this as well. Rhino still hasn't given an answer. He's staring down Heath. Heath, because they were, they were before Heath got injured and left, they were and sold so, as a tag team and right, friends. And right? Rhino ended up using the cup for right. Violent by Design. Right. So Heath opens his arms for a hug, but Rhino just leaves. They play up Rhino being conflicted. Um, so... And I, like I said, you predicted this weeks ago, Heath's involvement here makes sense, right? But Eric Young always cuts strong promos. But again, I don't have a ton of interest in this angle anymore, to be honest, because this faction talks, 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 and doesn't really accomplish much when it comes time to wrestling. So Rhino's decision seems clear to me. So his indecision doesn't make the most sense, right? Like, it seems pretty clear you're going to go back to team in with right. Heath and take on this group. They're just kind of delaying it. Right. It's nice to see Heath back, but I don't think he really moves the needle, right? And this segment got a lot of time, and I thought it was just okay. So for the amount of time it got, I didn't love it, to be honest. Uh, I guess I'm supposed to be more excited about Heath returning, but I'm like, eh, I don't know. As I mentioned in the news, Impact announces their new championship will be crowned by way of a single el elimination tournament for the Digital Media Championship, etc., uh, etc. Et so they announced the first couple matches for the tournament. Next week, we'll have John Schuyler taking on Zicky Dice and Hernandez taking on Crazy Steve. So if this is the caliber of people that are, and I mean, I like John Schuyler so far, but if this is the caliber of people, I think that kind of tells us where this uh, title falls in with the other ones, right? We then get our main event which is a street fight between Eddie Edwards and Morrissey. It seems like they keep putting Morrissey in these type of matches to kind of hide the fact that he's not really great in a one-on-one -on -one singles match. We get a big boot by Morrissey early before trash can shots by Edwards. Morrissey hits Edwards with a wet floor sign and then breaks it over Eddie's head as Eddie attempted a suicide dive. It looked pretty awesome, actually. Suicide dive a second time does connect for Eddie, and he borrows a fan's replica belt and hits Morrissey with it and then returns it. Eddie gets out a table, 
but Morrissey uh, runs him into the steps and hits him with a baking sheet. We get a trash can lid to Eddie's head before Eddie returns the favor, uses a trash can as well. We get a pretty nice blue thunder bomb to Morrissey onto a trash can looked good. Eddie pulls a barbed wire chair out from under the ring and the crowd is into it. Eddie misses with the chair. Morrissey hits a boot and uses a normal chair to hit Eddie with it and then chokes him with it. We get an elbow drop by Morrissey holding onto a chair onto another chair that's already laying on top of Eddie Edwards. Morrissey then sets up four chairs in the corner as Eddie's sitting on the top rope. Another baking sheet shot and Morrissey climbs up. It looks like he's going to hit a superplex maybe to Eddie onto these chairs. But in comes Alicia. She beats Morrissey on the back with a kendo stick. Edwards takes well, the opportunity nice. to counter the suplex into a power bomb. Power bombs Morrissey onto the chairs. He only kind of what clipped. did Morrissey ever do to Alicia? Like, come on. There were four chairs set up. He kind of only clipped two of them. Hey, Alyssa's got to get on TV on every show. Nobody gets on more consistently Sorry, than Alicia. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. So the power bomb onto the chairs, but Morrissey kicks out after a one count and fires up here. He takes some vicious kendo shots shots from Eddie. Sets up for the Boston knee party, but Alicia stops him and then goes and gets the barbed wire chair to hold in front of Morrissey. And then Eddie hits the Boston knee party for the win. Moose Aww. runs down, spears Eddie Edwards through a table that had been set up in the corner. Alicia is then checking on Eddie and the two giants approach her. Morrissey grabs her, holds her back as Moose continues the assault on Eddie by putting a chair around his neck running him into the ring post, and then smashing a chair onto Edward's neck violently with another chair. So Alicia finally gets free, runs to check on Eddie's, kind of like trying to protect him, get on top of him, and the heels are slowly walking uh, out. Get on top of him. So this match was pretty slow and plodding, which is what you're going to get from Morrissey most of the time, but I still enjoyed it. I thought the post-match beatdown was actually really effective, and Morrissey's back, man, looked crazy with the welts because he took some, vi not the shots from Alicia so much, I don't think, <laughs> but the ones from Eddie were pretty stiff and his back was pretty torn up. It was a pretty standard street fight for the most part in terms of the, the weapons and things they used, but I thought it worked well enough. And I thought the aftermath helped to further this story because they look, these two huge men, right? Like dealing with Alicia, who's this tiny woman, it's a pretty good visual every time. Yeah, yeah. So I think it works. Uh, and I'll give her credit. She played her role really well here. I know I give her some grief a lot of times on this show, but she was pretty good here. I thought this was a strong finish to the show. So overall, I enjoyed this. They followed that formula of like a strong opener and a strong uh, main event. So I'm a sucker for that, right? The opener I thought was terrific. I just, think you could just say you're a sucker. Huh? I am. Despite being a completely different type of match, I enjoyed the main event as well. And then along the way, I enjoyed the Knockouts tag and the Daniels-Fulton match. So for Impact Wrestling, that's a pretty strong show in ring. Outside the ring, Violent by Design segment was too long. Heath returning didn't really do much for me. Uh, the Ray Wolt promo I thought was good. Alexander and Christian had a good brief interaction. And I liked the brawl on the farm with James and Perrazzo. And again, the Myers segments continue to amuse me. Um, Swinger's Palace was the low point, but that's pretty much the norm right now, and it wasn't very long. So compared to other episodes of Impact, which is how I grade these things, compared to themselves, not to other companies, I thought this was uh, pretty strong. I actually gave it an A- minus this week, and I would recommend people actually go out and see the opening X Division match as I got my son here to watch it this morning as well. So a really good offering from Impact this week, an A-. minus. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have for us in any other um, rest? We just this... got some talk of the PWI 500, which yes. we just got. So Jackson, uh, which I love, he still reads magazines. And we get whenever your mother's out and sees the new PWI, usually at Shoppers Drug Mart. 
Yeah, she grabs we, it for we you. We have the PWI 500 right. issue, which is the they rank top 500 male wrestlers. Although there are some female ones, but only ones that do intergender wrestling. I think it is right. So we thought we'd talk about some things that he thinks are maybe too high, too low, or just some reactions to some of the re- yeah. rankings. So here. first, up, for those who don't already know, well, I will talk about the top ten. Yep. Um. So from one to ten, um, Kenny Omega is obviously ranked number one, which I think that's perfectly fair like yeah i have no problem i think it's pretty close between him and roman but he's um he's held three he held three world titles simultaneously in three different promotions like i think he's had like he's had more matches he's had probably higher caliber of competition right so and yeah they don't like so they don't really go like oh he's his talent in the ring right it's like more well i think they base on it but like i'm more like high how high profile did you have championships how many defenses criteria um in ring achievement influence technical ability so there's that uh competition and activity right so yeah Um, we've got omega roman reigns one two yeah so roman reigns is number two also makes sense um, Omega was number one also in, uh, it was 2018, I believe. Yep. And Roman Reigns was also number one in 2016. So both of these guys are uh, no strangers to the top. Um, right. Reigns, other good rankings. He's been number four and uh, number seven a few times. Right. Um, number three is Bobbert Lashley, which that makes sense. I agree. Yeah. I think it's pretty close between him and Drew, but he's, Drew was more last year. Yeah. Uh, you're better, right. right. So he, it makes sense. Um, his ranking last year was number 44. They yeah. actually do give you every one of his other rankings, right. but his last ranking was 44. So quite the improvement for him, I would say. Yeah, he had a good year. Yeah. Her um, business is back too, right? Uh, I think Magically. so. Magically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Drew McIntyre's at number four. Last year, he was number four. So nothing new for Consistent Drew McIntyre. Consistent Drew McIntyre. Yeah, that, that's good. Good yep. spot for him. Uh, number five is New Japan's Kota Ibushi. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, he was the um, double champion early in the year. Yep. And, be- and he unified the belts to become the first IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. That's the distinction between that one and the other one. The other one was just a heavyweight title. Right. So, um, yeah. And last year, he was number 17. And actually, past two years, he was number 17. So right. he Moving cracked, on up. cracked the top 10 this time. Uh, number six. Pretty good choice, John Moxley. Um, he was number one last year, obviously, um, which makes sense. But he's had less of a good year, but he's still been pretty good. They, oh yeah. They, um, he carried AEW they, for evaluate, quite a while. Like, I think the evaluation period is like most of this year, and then like the tail end of last year, because one of Omega's accomplishments was beating Mox, which is that was at the end of last year. Right. Right. So um, they he's do... been a pandemic star for sure. Right. Uh, number seven is uh New Japan's Will Ospreay. Uh, his ranking last year was uh twenty one. And he's only been ranked since 2016, so he's not, like, super... No, he hasn't been around that yeah. much. so good for him. He was temporarily the world champion before injury. Right. Uh, said no thanks. Yep, and then we got Shingo. Uh, number eight is Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's fair. He had a really good year um, this year. Like, um, he was NXT champion for a while. Um, and his character work, I thought, yeah, was the he, best he ever. Yeah, he definitely stepped it him. up. Uh, it shows, because he was number 35 last year. Right. So um, that's an improvement, 35 to number eight. Number nine is New Japan's, I think, current champion, Shingo Takagi. Um, his ranking last year was 53, so quite the improvement for him. He is pretty awesome. I don't know how much you've seen of him, but he, I like him a lot. Yeah, um, He, his highlight was winning that vacant world title right. from Okada. Yep. Who's that, he's one of their main guys, so that's good for him. And the rounding out the top ten is Impact's Rich Swan. 
Um, it's like, and, here, Impact, we'll give you a little something. I mean, that's fair. I guess it all is partially on accomplishments, I think. Based so. on their criteria, yes, it yeah. makes sense. Um, and last year, he was number 230. Right. So it's a big quite, jump. Quite the improvement. Yeah. But he's definitely had a rise in prominence this year. Yep. Um, and so for weird uh, PWI rankings, um, I've only gone with people that we know. So then, like, that's it's, fine. Right. Um, so ones that I've made a note of so far is um, Cody Rhodes in number 11. I think that's too it's a bit high. high. I agree. I think last year he was TNT champion. Like, I don't know if that, I think that might have been in the evaluation period. But, like, other than that, he has not been doing a lot. Like, no. I think even if it is in the evaluation period, he's like, he did that. And then, I mean, I guess he was TNT champion until November. And we're biased because we don't like him. But yeah, I feel and, like well, that's and then still this, high. this entire year, which I think is the bulk of. The evaluation, he hasn't... Oh, he hasn't done, done a ton. anything. I mean, I guess he's been winning steadily, but yeah. he's also been losing and steadily. it's not championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how much that matters, but I, I, I assume... It should, a little. Bit. Yeah. Um, Randy Orton is at number 12, which makes even less sense. He was WWE champion in the fall of last year, but like for like... A he's few, had a pretty good year, I a think, A few though. weeks. He's had a solid year, but I don't even think they're including him winning the tag titles here. Right. So... I don't think he's done much of note this year, so I, I it just feels a little weird for me, just because I I'm just in my eyes he hasn't had like the the a super banner year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Braun Strowman at number twenty seven is a little high. I would I agree. I think they're including his running as Universal Champion, which I mean, one not a great reign, but I don't know if that's included. Just like he had a reign, I guess. Yeah. But then again, that's been a while. It's I feel like that's similar to Cody for me. Because, yeah. like, he had a reign, then what What else did he do, right? right? He had a good showing that triple threat bound with, like, a showing in a match that he didn't win really mad. I can't right? honestly remember anything about Braun, to be honest. So, he, I don't know. That seems high to me, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I think Orange Cassidy at number 21 is pretty high as well. Because yeah. Because he did, they did put in here, he did have the feud with Jericho, but one, that was not for a title, and two, he hasn't done much of prominence other than lose a three-way True. Match. And, like, crowd popularity doesn't really matter i right? guess i guess influence is in yeah the okay yeah that probably is where but he's still strong. i would put him i would bump him back a little bit yep um i think adam page at number 34 i think he should be higher up i think i think he's got a lot of influence i think he's had a better uh year than cassidy i think he's just been like he didn't really have that big moment last year but i mean he was tag champion when cassidy was doing but again that. if they're not counting tag team stuff that's no, what's they, they are. Oh, they are? No, but, like, I mean, like, um, I think he was tag champion in the evaluation period, and then I think he's been pretty safe, so I think he should be a little higher. I think yeah. um, he should be around where Cassidy is. Um, I also think um, Johnny Gargano at 43 is a little low. I feel like he should be a little higher because he had the North American title twice True. in the evaluation period. I mean, one of them was for only a week, but whatever. <laughs> um, And I, I just think he should be a little higher. Not, not, I'm not saying, like, a big jump, but yeah. a little higher. I also think O'Reilly at number 50 should be a little higher. Cause I mean I think he really stepped up his game in the in the in this year, so I feel like that deserves a little yeah bit of a bump up. Yeah, I wonder if they care about like you're not on the flagship show, you're not even on the main roster. I wonder if that comes into it at all. Yeah, Which, I, I think, mean it shouldn't, but might be hard not to. I think uh, last year he was ranked. I think it's 121. So I guess this is an improvement for sure. I I would bump up like, maybe a little bit. Yep. And then also um Jungle Boy I think should be a little higher. Where was he? I can't remember. Hold on. It should be around here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, and since we're in any, any other wrestling business, we did watch um, oh, Rampage. Oh, he's at 69. Yeah. Which I feel like he should be a little higher. He's he's done pretty good. Yep. Especially getting to 50 wins. Yep. Yeah, exactly. The first one, right? Yep. 
Um, so, other than that, nothing. So what did we see on Rampage? We made uh, sure... Brian Danielson and Nick Jackson. Which I thought was good, for sure, but I was hoping to be, like, thrilled with it, and I wasn't. And the crowd's energy, which is rare for AEW, was not super high, so... And I yeah. did watch Jade Cargill also win the triple threat against Ny- uh, Nyla Rose and... Oh my gosh, who was it? I watched it last night. It was Nyla, Jade Cargill, and... Thunder Rosa. Thank you. Which I was surprised Cargill um, came out of it. Alright, so I'm going to look at some impact guys and whatnot. So, um, TGP at 91. Well, Seems... I don't know. I guess maybe that's okay. He was X-Division champ. He's prominent. Like, he gets a lot of time. Um, Josh, Josh Alexander's at 107. I obviously would want him higher, but I don't think he had title reigns and things in there. But He did. It, he had the tag title with Paige, and oh, yeah, he had right. the X-Division title. Yeah, I, I mean, he's in my top few in the world, but that's because I watch Impact. Uh, Chris and think, Bay is at 94. Yeah, he. that's probably about right. I think he deserves to get more prominence to earn a um, higher Rohit spot. Rohit Raju is at 72. Nice. I'm happy with that, actually. Nice. The fact that he's in the top 100 even, because he's awesome. Nice. And I don't know how many people get to see him, to be um, honest. Eric Young, 77. Seems a bit high, but anyways, he was a tag team champion, I guess, as well. Uh, to- and Tony Deppin at 64. It's okay. Yeah. Um, just trying to see if there's anything else interesting. Uh, what would you say about Ray Phoenix, 55? Uh, I guess. I mean, talent-wise, he's off the I charts. I can't but... find Penta. Uh, Dragon Lee's at 41. Yeah, that's fair. He's awesome. And he's had um, a pretty long run with some titles. Adam Cole, 37. Yeah, fair. Uh, Daniel Bryan at thirty six, but uh, he's yet to be an AEW. Um, but it's because he's still Daniel Bryan. But right. Um, I think that's good for so now. cool. A good little look at the PWI. Um, uh, yeah, five hundred. Wherever you get your magazines, if you don't have this one already, I'm not sure. Like, if in America they get it already, but yeah, probably. Um, this is technically the December issue, so it'll be around till then. Yep. That's um, it, that. Yeah. That's how long it'll be on the racks. You're right. It's not yeah. that it comes out then. It's that it'll stay out till then, basically. Otherwise, then we'd be getting it record early. Nice. That never happens here. Do you have any other wrestling business I to talk don't. about? All right. Well, let's move into our final segment every week, where Jack updates us on the world of wrestling, action figures, and whatnot in figuring it out with Jack. Yeah, we got some random WWE.com reveals. Um. So yeah, let me. I'm gonna pull up my um, phone. Cause Is it, it a lot I, this week or not a lot? A decent amount, okay, considering good. there's no like, um, no, like there's no Comic Cons or anything. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's a decent amount, considering that there's no like, it's not like a major event thing happening n- or like pre-announced or anything. Just kind of they they do tend to do this sometimes. Um, so we did get some new images for Elite 89. Um. Which, uh, that has Bobby Lashley, and that's, um, Long Tights Bobby Lashley. Long Tights Bobby. Yes, um, with the, um, like, you know, he's got, like, the black and gold, um, uh, Hurt Business, uh, logo. Which I like. Yeah, and so, hold on, I'll, I'll pull up a thing to show you. And he does have a new serious, um, head expression, which is pretty nice. Um, oddly enough, he doesn't come with interchangeable hands. Interesting. Um, and he do- he only comes with the W title like um this looks okay this is the first elite yeah I think like it looks good but like it doesn't quite look like him yeah like I, I feel like his other scan looked better um and so I don't know it's weird that he doesn't have to have hands because they every figure has hands even if they don't really need them um next we have Drew McIntyre or should I say Drew Five Head 
He's got a really big forehead for some reason. Yeah. I like the skin. Oh, it looks exactly like him. Sweet. Yes. The skin looks exactly like him. It does look good. But I feel like his head is too large. Could I don't be. know. It just looks a little weird. You get the kilt and the you sword. Come with the, it comes with the sword, a kilt, a removable entrance gauntlets. Um, it's like his updated look with the logos on the knee pads and whatnot. Um, next we get Nia Jax in the red and gold. She comes with a tag title. Blah, blah, blah. Don't care. Um, <laughs> next we get uh, Sergeant Slaughter from his Iraqi sympathizer gimmick. Amazing. Yes. Um, he comes with a cloth jacket, that weird whip thingy majiggy, sunglasses, and a hat. Yep. Um, he has these cool like open elbow pads, which they look new. Nice. <laughs> they look big enough to be um, knee pads. Um, next, we get Damian Priest, uh, purple gear from TakeOver 31. Uh, he comes with an entrance vest. Um, he looks really nice. I think that this scan looks That's much... Just, yeah, that looks good. It looks much better than his basic um, head scan. It looks um, it looks really nice. Um, Dominic Mysterio in like a blue and orange and yellow look. Um, that looks exactly like him. I think I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not yep, particularly a fan of his, but it looks exactly like him. Comes with a kind of stick, uh, from Payback 2020 against, uh, Murphy and Rollins. Looks pretty good. Um, and the Chase variant, um, of course it's Nia Jax and she's wearing purple. Uh, still don't it, care. It, it exists. <laughs> don't care. Right. not going to get it cause I don't. I don't you don't want, want to hurt your other I, figures. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I don't feel like wasting money at this point. Fair enough. Um, next we get images for basic uh 125, and we have, we've only had renders of these so far. Um, first off we have Isaiah Swerve Scott. Whoop whoop. You're excited about and that one. I am very excited, and just when I think they're gonna make more NXT people, said NXT person gets drafted to the main roster. Right. He's wearing green tights. Looks nice. I like it. Looks like him. Wish it was an elite, but Looks I mean, good. I'll take what I can get, especially because we're getting two of him. Um, we get Ember Moon updated NXT look. Wonder if she'll get drafted. So then that's not NXT Ember Moon either. That doesn't look great to me. I think it at least looks like her, but it just it does look kind of weird. Um, next we get Jeff Hardy in black and white face paint. He's got like um no he doesn't have the shade sides actually never mind. Um, but I feel like the face paint design is good, but I feel like it's like it doesn't cover enough of his face. See how like his forehead you can cut the yeah doesn't space. go all the way to his hair. Right there's like I which I feel like it should um because it. Well, it doesn't on the on the packaging image, but like I just feel like it looks off on like I feel like it should be at least higher up. Um, next we got a really interesting one, and we have the Rock um in like a promo attire. It's it's like Rock with his hair, like so it's like Azir Rock supposedly he has a removable black vest and like black pants. It's a really random Rock. I think. I don't remember that look to be honest. It it just seems like something he probably would have worn. I'll, f- I'll I'll trust it. He already always had the flashy shirts or the tracksuit. <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah. Um. And then we have Elias with the new ban- man bun sculpt, which I think looks pretty good. They do have a painted on tank top, which has his album it cover like on it. Looks like him a lot. Yeah. Um. But I really don't like see how they left the bu- belly button mold on. I hate when they do that. It's just so lazy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like I I just hate it. And he has he does his jeans, which that's like skinny jeans. As so you're as saying, if they want to paint a t-shirt on, then get rid of the belly button. Right. It's yeah. just lazy. They used to do that with the women's figures all the time. Yeah. Like it was it was really annoying. And then we have Isaiah Swerve Scott in the red for the chase variant. So two swerves. Nice. That's right. Two. And guess Better how many one. want? I two. I want two. Yes, right. that is correct. I will. I want both of them. Um. Next, we have a new Reckon playset. A Reckon ATV with an exclusive Biggie basic figure. Um, I am curious to see how they will incorporate this onto TV. But... Right, because so far, anytime there's a Reckon vehicle, it makes an appearance, right? Right, so... what was it? There was a Strowman one. There was another one, too. Oh, right. It was McIntyre and Jinder Mahal. Right, the uh, motorcycle the and the car the motorcycle. that you have the yeah, car. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, I do, actually. Um, next we have a championship rivals, Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre belt bundle revealed. And I thought, I figured, I thought the title would be, it would have, it would be able to go with the side plates, but I guess not. It, it's literally just a battle pack of McIntyre and Orton, but you get a kid's right. WWE championship toy belt. So that, that's kind of cool. I feel like that's like a, if you have like a friend's kid or like your kid who likes, uh, WWE, like yep. this is a really good thing to I get I remember them. you used to love all those belts. Yeah, um, we do have this exact belt actually. Right. Like, so like if you have, if you know a kid like that, like that's a good thing to get. Like yep. I would, if I was a little child. If then... you were a little child again, I'd get it for you. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Anything um, else? Next championship showdown two packs, uh, series seven revealed. Um, so we have Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley from WrestleMania 36. Um, that's what they look like. Basics are bad. Basics are bad. Yes. Um, next we have, uh, Roman Reigns versus Cesaro from, I gotta say, right, WrestleMania Backlash 2021. Get it right. Yeah, it looks like Reigns has a new torso, um, a new basic torso, or at least it looks unfamiliar. I just... want a new torso. Yeah, because you're, <laughs> you're not in good shape. <laughs> a younger torso. Oh. Hey, for my age, my shape <laughs> is not bad. Um, and it just looks a little off, but, um, they just, they've reused that Roman scan for the 1,000th time. Right. And for basics, there was paint on the gauntlets, which... Now that I have seen, like, when they sculpt on gauntlets and, like, they're removable, it just looks so much better. Mm-hmm. And plus, like, I feel like if they do paint them all on the elites, it just looks better. Yep. Um, and then we also have Steve Austin versus Kane um, from, I think it's King of the Ring 98. And I do like the detail in the Austin because he's got white tape on his arm mm-hmm. under his elbow pad, which is accurate. So I like that they at least went the extra mile to do that. Right. And so these come with new show, what they call showdown stands. Um, so these are going to be replacing those side plate display stands, which, and so these are wi- one piece and they are wider. Um, they have a couple small pegs that you can stand, um, the figures on them. Like, you know, like the top of the, those ringside ladders yeah. we have, those kinds of things, right? So that you can stand them on. And then they also come with these clear, um, pieces with like these clips on the end. So you can, that, which can hold the figures by the torso or the leg so that you can kind of put them in action poses if you want to. Right. I remember I got one of those with the Khaleesi. Stoli, and I don't know where it is. Yeah, I remember seeing one somewhere along the line. Yeah. Probably and, stepped on it or something. Yeah, and <laughs> and then the face plate of the championship that the match was fought for is on the middle of the stand. So, for example, the middle of the stand for Austin Kane has the big eagle attitude era championship cool. on the face plate. Um, and, like, there's the NXT one, and then there's the blue universal for Rune and Cesaro. We got more images for the top talent 2022 elite lines. Jeff Hardy, Goldberg, and Roman Reigns. We've already talked about that a couple times um we have legends elite uh series uh 13 revealed so we have hurricane from wwe ecw which i think is nice. an interesting choice but that, that's kind of cool he does the short kick pads which i don't like triple h from uh with dx army version camo pant cloth camo pants cloth shirt microphone like he comes with the dx army stuff from that one segment i don't know what the ring attire looks like because it just shows him with his stuff on we have jake roberts in a blue tights with like some flames on it um, and he does come with, like, the, which I discovered is a snake handling glove, not a coal miner's glove. Could be both, actually. That's funny. Yeah, he comes with a snake sack and a snake, obviously. Snake sack. Yeah. Chase Varian Roberts is gray with, like, a green snake on it, which is pretty cool. One of them is a WCW Jake Roberts. Don't know which one. And then we also have Cowboy Bob Orton, who comes with his best thing. Oh, he actually comes with the cast. And yeah, he also comes with interchangeable to. boxing gloves for nice. some reason. Which, I mean, that's kind of interesting. 
Um, next we have Royal Rumble 22 elites. Very happy to say we have Dakota Kai from 2020. Good for her. Yep. Um, we have Biggie, I believe, from the same year. That's nice. Earthquake, Canadian earthquake. Nice. Because <laughs> he has the Canadian flag on a single. It just it looks really tacky. It's just like a rectangle. Like it's not even like worked into the gear. It's just there. And then we also have Yokozuna in his white and black from 1993. And each uh, figure will come with parts to build a pink suit, Jimmy Hart. Nice. Uh, that is the build a figure. Um, then we have the lineup for WrestleMania 38 Elites. Um, we will have Bret Hart, which, um, so they show the images, um, like images of the people, not of the figures. You see what I mean? Yeah. And so based on these images, I made predictions of what the attires will be. Um, I believe Bret Hart should be from WrestleMania 27, which was his match with Vince McMahon when he was old and could not do anything. Um, Steve Austin from, I think, WrestleMania 19 versus The Rock. That is the one where The Rock won. AJ Styles, we did see a render of this one. So this is from the Boneyard match, WrestleMania 36. And I think Shawn Michaels will be from WrestleMania 26, which is when he had to retire until Crown Jewel against The Undertaker. And um, I believe the <coughs> the build of figure is supposed to be um, commentator Vince McMahon in a black suit. We already have an elite of that in a blue suit, so this one will be black suit. Nice. Um, we also have WrestleMania 38 Basics. Um, which will be Seth Rollins. Uh, from the images, I believe this will be WrestleMania 36. Hulk Hogan, um, he's behind a blue bar cage, so I assume that's WrestleMania 2 against Bundy. Uh, Bianca Belair from the Women's Battle Royal, WrestleMania 34. I believe Sheamus from this year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 37. And then we also have Series uh, 126. Um, the lineup revealed no images for this yet. We have Mandy Rose, uh, Bobby Fish, which is kind of interesting. Yep. They're making MLW figures now. Interesting. I'm just kidding. Um, cause they did just they did just put out a Kyle O'Reilly basic in the green gear, so I assume they already had this planned and just want they're following through. Uh, we also have Drew McIntyre, another Seth Rollins, and Cesaro. Um, I hope that Seth Rollins is cool. <laughs> and uh, even though Seth Rollins is in this series, the Chase variant is Mandy Rose. Nice. Um, and that is everything. That was a beefy figuring it out this week i feel like yes it was I, and it was it was like a random one too right it I, i'm saying like it happens every now and then yep. like they just say here's stuff here's a lot of stuff yes well, um, and that is everything cool well that's going to bring us to the end of episode 63 thanks for any time you're taking out of your week to listen to us talk about wrestling i'll be back on monday i think for what is it roh 524 i want to say talk about their hour-long program that's hopefully going to be good and then I don't I think... I might be there because I might watch for uh, Taylor Russ. Cool. So look for that. And I don't think there's anything else coming out from us. So, But we'll definitely be back here next Saturday for episode 64. So until we see you back here then, take care. <laughs>